Hey everybody, it is the Elite Beat. We're back here for all your All Elite Wrestling news, reviews, previews, all that good stuff. I'm Andy. Sitting immediately to my left is Jenny. Hello. And sitting 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. It's so enthusiastic today. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, we're doing this bright and early, so uh, a, lot of, a lot of morning pep. I've never known you to have morning pep. Oh, well, you know. Uh, first time for everything. Huh. Almost 10 years. <laughs> first time for everything. Yeah. So this week we've got the usual suspects. We've got Being the Elite. We've got AEW Dark. We've got Dynamite. We've got News. We've got Ratings. We've got Rankings. Actually, I correct myself. We don't have Ratings. Because it was a holiday on Thursday, so ratings did not come out. I thought, oh, they'll probably come out on Friday then. They did not come out on Friday. We don't know if NXT kept the winning streak going. I guess we can assume no. I would assume yes. Really? Yeah. Well, you will have to tell when we get to that section yeah. with nothing to actually talk about. Yeah. You can tell us about what your suspicions are. I will. And then the, uh, the there's just one other thing that is we previewed it briefly at the end of last week's show, but there was a Road to Chicago. And uh, did anybody watch Road to Chicago? I did not. Jenny and I watched it, so it's okay. Wait, we watched Road to Chicago. We did. Jenny does not remember. I have that. no memory of this. When did we watch Road to Chicago? Last Saturday, the day the day it premiered. Huh. It was like a ten minute video on YouTube. Huh. Yeah. It's been a really busy week, Jenny. I have no recollection of this. It was it was built around just like ma- mainly a Cody interview. Huh. Yeah. Still no re- I guess I guess you can somehow refresh my memory. What were we doing last Saturday that I wouldn't have remembered? Probably drinking. Oh. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> On a Saturday? No, that doesn't sound like you at all. Doesn't sound, sound like us. Um, so <clears throat> basically, the road to Chicago, the road to, I believe it was actually called. Honey, uh, you forgot about the most important part of the week. You're right. I'm sorry. Jenny, every week here at the Elite Beat, we do something very special. And I can't believe that I almost went ahead without it. So, won't you tell us what we're going to do right now? It's the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. This week, since it's the morning when we're recording, we are making mimosas. And for our listeners, the best sparkling wine to have in a mimosa has been tested by, you know, countless mimosas that Megan and I have put in the effort to really do the research. It's Fresnet Brut Cava. Now, why this is the best is because it's crisp, it doesn't have a ton of toasty flavors or fruity flavors or sweetness. It's just like a nice, crisp, clean, sparkling wine. It's like a blank slate. <laughs> yep. Um, I mistakenly, and like what a, such an idiot I am, I thought that the better the quality of the sparkling wine you use, the better the mimosa would be. Thank God that my wife was here to disabuse me of any such notions. And what you really want is just a blank canvas to, to pour, the, to pour the, the, the orange juice over. That's exactly right. 
And uh, Fresno is normally on sale for $10.99 at the grocery store. So it's the perfect, perfect wine. Let me go ahead and open it. All right, Megan, what are you drinking over there while I fix our mimosas here? I am also drinking mimosas. I could not obtain a Fresnet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, because oh, why? Um, well, laziness played a big part. Um, I didn't get to the store in time, so all I had to choose from was whatever CVS offered, and that means Corbell it is. Oh, that's like that's pretty good, actually. Uh, Le Champion. <laughs> It's good enough for Le Champion. And also, I know Jenny is hesitant about Corbel these days, but if you're putting a little splash of orange juice in it, I think it's fine. I would agree with that. We haven't tested that theory. We yet, haven't right? tested that theory, I'm afraid. Yeah. But, I, you know, if it's good enough for Le Champion, it's good enough for the Elite Beat podcast. Also, in podcast news... We now have an Instagram account, everyone. Oh, true, yeah. You can follow us at the Elite Beat Pod mm-hmm. on Instagram. Yours truly is a uh, curating curating it. So you know, right now it's just all wine. Yeah, there'll probably be more wine pictures today. I that mean, seems hopefully, appropriate. Hopefully, like wrestling is tied in somehow. <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. Um, sure, it'll be. Yeah. Uh, also, if you want to drop us an email, it's theelitebeatpod at gmail.com. If you have any feedback or suggestions, uh, anything like that. All right. Well, let's talk about this road to uh, because Megan did not catch it and Jenny doesn't remember it. So basically, uh, it's, it's, it's an interview format with Cody. He's asked if he has any thoughts about what happened with Jericho at Full Gear, and he says no. And he's asked about... The stipulation about never challenging for the world title again. Does he have any thoughts on that? He says he doesn't want to talk about that either. And then he's asked about MJF and... Oh, I do remember this. Okay. I didn't realize this was Row 2. Yeah. Okay. So then we just kind of get a recap of how Chicago is the birthplace of AEW. They don't mention All In by name because they can't, but uh, or at least choose not to because they don't own it. But they do mention All Out. Uh, which took place there, and uh, they do show clips from All In. They show their own, their own like footage that they took. They don't show any of the pay per view footage. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, Ring of Honor owns it. Um, do we know that for sure? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Wait, I thought the whole thing about All In was that they did this all by themselves, and this was the Cody's and the Bucks' own production, own whole event but how does so how does ring of honor own it well ring of honor helped produce it and had to give permission for those guys to even do it because they were all under contract to ring of honor Hmm. and then also ring of honor like was one of the partners that like ring of Honor hosted on their streaming platform as well oh okay yeah so but to my understanding the rights lie with ring of honor so it was kind of a lie to tell us it was all them uh yeah kind of it was okay. it was marketing yeah okay. yeah i mean it was their idea and it was their vision sure but they couldn't do it by themselves okay i guess i was under and shouldn't have been i guess 
I was under the assumption that they had done it all by themselves. Mm. And I was pretty impressed. <laughs> now less so. Eh, I'm still impressed, but less so. I mean, look what they parlayed it into. That's true. Yeah. But that was all because they're backed by Toby Khan. So that's yeah, not but really I mean, by themselves either. Okay, but like look where they are now though. Like they're they have a they have a hit show on TNT every week. That's true. So Megan, do you have thoughts? Did you know? I knew that they were all contracted to Ring of Honor at the time and that they needed permission. Um, to a lesser extent, how much Ring of Honor did like production wise and monetarily, but I thought the bet was just that the elite couldn't sell out an arena on their own. And I think that part they totally did. Like the people bet, were buying tickets for them. The te- bet was technically can Ring of Honor draw 10,000 fans to an arena anytime soon? Oh, well then, yeah, I guess while it's not all just them, I think they still, you can still give them a majority credit for what happened there. So I'm not, not upset yeah, by it. I don't, I don't think if you marketed that show as a Ring of Honor show that it would have sold 10,000 tickets. No, and that's the important part, or at least yeah. what I think Jenny, they're getting at. True. They talked about how oh, Cody, after full gear, he wasn't cleared for action, but he will be cleared for action this Wednesday night in Chicago. Oh, well, that's exciting. I mean, it was. He had a match. You saw it. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Turned out really well. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, we'll get, we'll get into that. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. So that was the road to. It wasn't a lot to it. I was kind of disappointed, actually. Um, I thought maybe there'd be some big news dropping there or something, but uh, not 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 to, not to be the case. So that takes us to Being the Elite, episode 181. We lied is the title of the up. And uh, Megan, did you did you catch Being the Elite this week? I did. Okay. And Jenny, you watched it. I did. I watched it a couple times, so let's go over it real quick. It opened with one of my least favorite segments in the history of being the elite. An interminable five-minute couch conversation between Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa. Yeah, and the the volume was all off. It was one of the worst mic segments in a really long time. Yep. It was it reminded me of like the early days audio quality, but with the modern day video quality. Yep. Megan, any thoughts on this uh, opening bit? I agree with what you said. I actually thought my TV was having issues because I've gotten so used to them figuring out their volume situation, especially in like a quiet room with no, you know, arena setting. And Mm -hmm. that part was odd. And it did go on for a really long time. So agree. The gist of it was that uh, Kenny was upset, still upset about the Moxley situation. He really wanted to fight Moxley, but Nakazawa kind of talked him out of it and said, like, you have this championship. And he held up the Triple A Mega Heavyweight Championship and uh, reminded Kenny that, you know, he has this belt and he could defend it on U.S. soil. And so Kenny was excited about that. And on AEW. And on and and, in an AEW ring, yes. And uh, and then they also, there was a little bit where they played uh, Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers for the NES. Um, And that was fun because I like that game. Uh, We've got Brandon Cutler and Nick are vlogging outside of the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. 
And uh, for a little behind the scenes uh, uh, news here, we had a hell of a time making sure that the name of that arena got out there to you last week. Yes, we did. Yeah. Not going to say who had trouble with it, but, you know, you can you can make a guess based on who leads the recaps. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All, we are not even that far into this endeavor, and already you're trying to split the group. <laughs> I am the Adam Page of our little oh, yeah. podcasting group here, apparently. How dare you? So Nick is Nick is uh, he he mostly sounds stressed out about the professional aspect of it. He just doesn't really want to be at the production meetings by himself <laughs> without <laughs> Matt. Uh, we get our Duya of the week as Joey Janelle is getting his hair did, and he says, "I really like how you're doing my hair to the stylist." And and Frankie walks up and hears this, but he's not ready, so he has to throw his bag down. He has to take off his shirt. He has to get his uh, his exercise equipment out. He has to do a couple push-ups to get his pump on. He has to spray himself. And then he has to ask Janela to repeat it, to which he shouts, Do ya? And uh, I love this. I love the do ya. It's, it's my favorite uh, recurring bit right now. I, I really enjoy this as well. Yeah, that was great. The whole setup process was amazing. And Joey oh. Janela's face as he just watched this happen in front of him. It was great. It was very placid. And this this also explained uh, Joey Janela's very uh, pretty hair the, uh, on last week's episode of Dynamite. It was very styled. Yeah. Well done. Uh, so we get Nick again, and he says, like, listen, you know, I, I said earlier that Matt's not here this week, but he actually is. And then we we pan over to Christopher Daniels, and Nick starts berating him for not wearing the shirt the best-selling shirt and daniel says like hey nick like i know it's me cd i know i haven't been on bt in a while but it's i'm not matt and and then nick uh tells cd that he misses his brother and that so will he please put on the shirt and this this appeals to christopher daniel's uh you know better angels and he puts the shirt on he wants to take it off because he's not going to get any uh any merch money from it. And, <laughs> then, and then Nick says, Nick kind of uh, does Megan's favorite thing and turns into the merch freak and uh, says like, I'll pay you in money, merch money. <laughs> and then uh, he does his magic tricks, which involve uh, transporting his hat to CD's head and um, making a hundred dollar bill appear uh, underneath uh cd's young bucks shirt it was fantastic i loved it it was so good (laughs) uh we get the return of arthur and trevor jenny's favorite characters um they're sitting they're they're talking to jimmy havoc just yelling at him about how he is a uh doing outlaw mud show shit and uh that he can't use staple guns anymore and Jimmy's had enough of this quickly, and he uh, he staples uh, Trevor's. I think I believe it's Trevor is the Christopher Daniels voiced one. Staples his hand, and then he takes a sign off the wall and uh, paper cuts uh, Arthur's hand. So, yeah, I it was fine, but I don't know. I I could have done with never seeing Arthur and Trevor again a long time ago. Oh yeah. Oh. 
Nick's trying to wrangle Justin Roberts, uh, tell him that like he's wrestling a singles match, so he needs to do a different ring introduction. But uh, Justin just keeps on uh, like doing the Young Bucks ring introduction right to him, and Nick has to uh, bribe him with a magically uh, appearing Golden Girls tank top. I loved that the magic on this was so poorly edited that you saw someone handing it to him. <laughs> yeah, the magic was... He like reached his hands out and somebody tossed him a shirt from offstage. Off yep. It was great. Yeah. So that, so that, that caused uh, Justin to, then we got a clip from the match against Ray Phoenix and uh, that cut to a clip of Matt watching from home, which was very cute. And you got to see the kids uh, yeah, playing. playing on the floor, not paying attention to their uncle Nick's uh, match at all. Nope. But that's okay. We have a tricycle backstage that Scorpio Sky and Marco Stunt are riding on, but Jungle Boy is actually driving and uh, Marco says, Jack, I'm flying. Uh, <laughs> Has his arms spread, yeah. a Titanic pose. Uh, Kazarian was following them for a while, but he crashed into something. Yep. <laughs> and uh, then Scorp, like, jumped off because I think he was afraid of Calamity, too. And uh, it was... Well, it no, looked... they went over a speed bump, and I think uh, maybe some of his uh, junk got a little... Uh, Jostled. Or hit against something. Yeah. He kind of held his... <clears throat> His crotch. Well, either way, he... Uh, Bringing you all the balls news. Yeah. Either way, uh, he fell off, and uh, we were down to... Yeah, it looked very dangerous, honestly. <laughs> Did, well, wasn't there a part before that, before they had gotten that far, where Jungle Boy was riding around on it? And I think Marco was on the back, where Luchasaurus stopped them and said, Boys, where's your helmet? Or that something... Was... Yeah, that was the that was the next uh, part. Oh, okay. Sorry, bearing the lead. No, it's fine. Yeah, but that's exactly what happened. So yeah, so thank you for uh, for recapping it. Uh, and then I believe he said, as the as they walked away, he said, uh, "How many years do I got to do this?" Which I don't know what that was a reference to, or if it was an inside joke or what. But I worry that they're going to split up my the Jurassic second Express. favorite act. Act. What's your first favorite? I- the Young Bucks. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Merch Freak. Merch Freak. Okay, guys, I have a question. Do all arenas have these giant tricycles backstage to help people get from one end of the arena to the other? Because when we've been watching Sammy's vlog, in every single episode lately, he's been, Marco at least, has been on these giant tricycles. So does AEW bring them as part of the set, or are they already at the arena? Like, do, like, arenas just come stocked with tricycles? Yeah, or is AEW bringing these? I mean, if I had to guess, I would say AEW is bringing them, because I don't know what the arena would just have tricycles for. Like I said, to get you from one end of the arena to another. Like a golf cart. Yeah, but then you just have a golf cart, right? Yeah, I think usually golf cart is the standard fare for that sort of thing. Because if 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 you have to ride... um, Usually it's, I mean, partially those are there to get people who, you know, need the the aid of not walking. So why would you give them a tricycle? Well, no, I was thinking more for like the people that are working in the arenas and they're more <clears throat> environmentally friendly and less dangerous than a bicycle. Yeah. Because you could fall over with a bicycle. Maybe it's a Tony Khan initiative to bring tricycles to every arena. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. They maybe, them. maybe it's a Jungle Express initiative. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe just Marco is 
That's his carry-on. Or his checked bag, likely. Yeah. Uh, we got the hangman backstage being a big square. Uh, grabbing his belt buckle and like doing a little dance as he's trying to sing the private party theme song. But he doesn't know the lyrics. He just says it's a private party over and over again. He asks uh, Mark and Isaiah if they got his email. And they say no. And he says... It's private underscore party at swingers.com, right? And they say, no, it's private underscore party at gmail.com. So is Adam Page in the lifestyle? Is he in the capital L lifestyle, Megan? Sounds like it. Man. Jenny's how giving, Jenny. <laughs> dare you? How dare you? The proof is right there, Jenny. It is not. God gave with both hands. <clears throat> Yeah, and he's just spreading the love. No! <laughs> no, Adam's a good boy. Are you trying to say swingers aren't good people? No. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's pure. Okay. Um, Adam probably has only, you know, been with his wife and that's it. Probably, yeah, that makes sense. Good looking 27 year old man has probably not been with one woman. Well, isn't he Mary's high school sweetheart? Yeah, I'm joking. So, like, be nice to Adam Page. He's a pure boy. So he's Hangman, a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. <laughs> so Hangman wants to do... He's trying to, like, sell a private party on doing a bit with him for BTE. And they're like, well, we're not the elite. So, you know, we're kind of doing our own thing. And I thought this was pretty... Like, okay, I get it from a character standpoint. But, like, from a practical standpoint... If you got offered by a member of the elite, even if he's a little bit on the outs right now, to like be a part of a bit, I'd say I think you take it. If you're a if you're a fringe cast member, well, he's not a member of the elite anymore. Well, he quit the elite. I guess that's technically true, but anyway. But he is a bigger deal than they are currently. Yeah, but Hangman says that he would normally he would uh, you know he'd do the bit with them, but it's it's a little bit complicated right now, which made me think that instead of all by myself, oh maybe. The Marty Scroll Return episode, we could get him singing "Complicated." That's true. Over a over a montage of black and white footage of people being sad. Yeah. yeah. Megan, how would you feel about Marty singing "Complicated" instead of "All by Myself"? I'd be very into it. I enjoyed it when he did it <laughs> on Being the Elite. Basically, if Marty just can sing, I'm in. Did Marty sing "Complicated" on Being the Elite? He did. I don't remember that. Maybe that's why I put it together in my head like that. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the episode because it's been so long, but he did sing it, and it was just as, I want to say, wonderful as you'd expect. <laughs> wonderful is <laughs> the right word. But it was over a montage of them, you know, not getting along. Mark Quinn tells him, you know, it's time to get back on your high horse, which I thought was like, I mean, you know... It, he did, he did ride a horse, like, fairly recently. Well, that high horse died. Yeah, a little oh, insensitive. Yeah, yeah, that too. I, I felt like that was, like, a little jab at the heart. Poor horse. Isaiah tells him to uh, get back on his cowboy shit. And uh, Paige, like, drinks the two shots of uh, this isn't water. I'm sorry, this ain't water that's sitting on the table. And... They like kind of look at each other and go like, "Does he know that that's not water?" He's like, "That's not water, man." And then he comes back and grabs the bottle, and uh, and Mark Quinn says, "Well, he's gonna have a lit night tonight." 
So that was, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Now, Adam is not a teetotaler. No. So it was okay that he drank. It's, it's true. Yeah. But also probably not the quantity. That That's going to be rough. That's also true. We get a clip from Dynamite last week of Scorpio Sky challenging Jericho for the title. And uh, when he says he's going to turn Le Champion into Le Bitch. We get Sunny Kiss, Christopher Daniels, Orange Cassidy, Kazarian, and one other man standing in the background of Scorpio Sky, who's wearing a hoodie and glasses, recreating that gif. And I don't really know how else to describe it, but that gif. Megan, could, how, do you, how would you describe that gif that everybody's seen a million times? It's uh, the gif you get if you search for something like, like, oh, damn, or microphone drop. Um, right. It's, it's a bunch of teenagers, I think, and they... They're freaking out because the kid in the front has, uh, you, from context, said or did something that is a microphone drop. And then he's very cool, like, kind of so- sliding to the side. And everyone behind him has, like, looks of shock on their face because whatever he said or did was that fucking crazy. Yeah. That's a very good explanation. Thank you, Megan. I had never seen this gif or that gif. It's really Eddie. famous, trust us. <laughs> yeah, we can find it for you later. So, my, <laughs> my, uh, because of my familiarity with the GIF, this, no lie, in 181 episodes, this is like a top 10 BTE moment for me. Wow. Megan, I don't know if it ranks that highly for you, but I assume that you were pretty pleased with this, though. Yeah, I don't know if I'll go top 10, you know. I'd have to really think about it, but definitely high up there because they're just, I love how good they are at parroting things like this. And it was just so touching and cute that they all got together to do that. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to the end of the episode, which uh, is the piece that I believe uh, will probably carry over into uh, next week's episode, which is Peter Avalon and Leva Bates of all people are doing a book review or they're about to read a passage from a book that Leva checked out from the library and Sammy Guevara, Santana Ortiz walk in and disrupt them. They start making fun of them, clowning on them. But, but generally speaking, they're like, Oh, Brandon Cutler, you're filming for BTE. We get it. All right, we'll just get out of the way. And they're like, okay, thanks guys. And Ortiz says, Oh yeah. yeah, One last thing. We lied. And then they, uh, they jump, Avalon and Cutler. They hit Cutler with a copy of Justin Roberts' hardback book, and uh, which Jenny was very. They hit him in the head. It looked. It didn't look fun. Uh, he really smacked him with it. Yeah, his they head pow- was red. Yeah. yeah. They power bombed him through a through a full, like a you know just like a a, a table, and uh, in a very strange, possibly problematic uh, portion and choice. They decided to kidnap Leva Bates. It was very rapey. Yeah, I would go problematic. I, it yeah. was problematic enough that I was surprised that on this program they were doing that. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see what they do with it on Monday, but I can't. It's mm-hmm. like nope, still just problematic no matter what they do with it. Yeah, kidnapping I mean, a woman. I, yeah, <laughs> not okay. Yeah, I was not. Yeah, this. What do we do with her? Let's take her. Not okay, guys. Not okay. Retake that. It smacked of like old wrestling angles, you know, back when this sort of thing was totally cool and a great way to 
get some heat with the woman's uh, boyfriend or husband slash implied owner. Right. Uh, but this is just like way off base in this day and age, I think. Yeah, me too. I, I thought it was a little bit tone deaf. I, I, yes. But but next week, apparently, we are going to see it being the inner circle, which was teased. So, I mean, I, I think there's some like potential for fun in that, at least. I don't know. And on Sammy's vlog this week, we saw his side of the of that confrontation. Yeah, but I don't think we saw them take her. No, I think I think he stopped filming before. He was less tone deaf than <laughs> the elite this week. Well, I don't know. He's the one who in the BTE episode had to say, "Let's take her." Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> you can cut that. You don't need to show it. Well, I think they need to show it because the storyline is they kidnapped her, and that's and it's going to continue on Monday. Well, maybe you could. Pivot in your storyline. Just uh-huh. pivot. Uh, I so I didn't see like a big blow up about this this week online. I kind of thought maybe I would, but it it didn't seem like too many people got up in arms about it. But I'm I am curious about. Are Megan and I the only women that watch Being the Elite? Impossible. No, I know. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> but we'll see. That was, I do. That was, yeah. Go ahead. I do wonder if even with the the more quote-unquote woke crowd that watches that they are mostly dudes and I wonder if they sort of don't think it's a problem until something bad actually occurs and maybe that's why nobody cares just yet. Yeah, I mean... To me, the implication of what could happen is just bad enough. I mean, if you're a 35 year old dude at this point, it's just that like Bowser has kidnapped the princess, right? Like it's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that happens all the time. It's fine. Mario will get there. Yeah, Peter Avalon in this case, I guess, will save her. Yeah, I I do kind of, I did kind of wonder if this is a way for them to transition Leva out of the librarian role. So is she gonna join the inner circle? Uh, maybe. Yeah, that's that that did occur to me. Well, then you think have her come like, willing. Yeah, have her pull a Dakota Kai. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think I feel like uh, it's. It seems like maybe we're gonna get like a. She's gonna like they're gonna Patty Herster, but. Uh, oh, that didn't turn out great either. <laughs> I mean, she's fine now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> good stuff. But do you think that <coughs> aside? How weird it is how they're doing it. They're trying to get down to just a single librarian. Or maybe just like try to like just get rid of both of them because because Avalon is the one who in storyline has been wanting to drop it. That's true. But I, I mean but I don't know. But that was BTE. Um it was it was fine. It had that it had the one shining moment. I li- I liked when Nick was just asking Christopher Daniels, Can you please just wear the shirt? I'm missing that. <laughs> It's just missing. So that takes us to AEW Dark for Tuesday, November 26th, 2019. It was a four-match show, which we haven't had in a very long time. But when one of the matches is like literally 30 seconds, you can do that. Can I say off the bat my feelings about AEW Dark this week? Sure. So I've enjoyed AEW Dark. And this week you could tell it was Thanksgiving week. Clearly, the editors were just trying to get out of the office. There were some issues uh, where we were hearing 
the audio from replays that were happening, but we weren't seeing the replays. That happened three times. And every time it made me think that the audio had gone out of sync. But it hadn't. It was just that, like, there was a replay happening that we weren't seeing. And Excalibur, during the first women's match that was shown on AEW Dark, said, well, this should be longer than the last match we just saw of Awesome Kong, which hadn't been on Dark yet. Yes. So they clearly had some timing editing editing issues as well. Yeah. So that's interesting. Did you notice either of those things, Megan, while you were watching Dark? Um, I think I noticed the sound thing more than the slip about Awesome Kong, but it's also been many days since I watched. Sure, yeah, sure. I did think, um, though, audio-wise, I was, like you said, I thought things got out of sync and maybe my Roku was freaking out or something, but no, just bad editing, yeah. apparently. Just lazy people on Thanksgiving week at work. I had to clean up so many messes at work this week from errors. Yeah. Holidays are we'll tough. Just check out during holiday weeks. So <laughs> we got Tony Schiavone welcoming us. Dasha's not here. He said she will be back in her usual uh, spot next week. And uh, he was not in the uh, in his control center uh, at the beginning of the show. He was actually at, on site at the arena. It looked like. Um, unless it was a green screen. Unless it was a green screen because as we'll get into when Megan uh, leads our our Dynamite recap. He was not on Dynamite this week again, so. Interesting. Uh, we start that must out. must have been a green screen then. Or it was in the last week's arena, maybe. Hmm. We start out with Trent versus Pentagon. Uh, Orange Cassidy came out with Trent, but did not stay, which made me sad. And uh, we got Trent versus Pentagon, and Sean Spears was on commentary. With Why Excalibur. didn't Chucky, Sexy Chucky T come out with Trent? I guess because Ray Phoenix wasn't going to come out, so they they weren't going to have seconds. So they just... Then why did Orange Cassidy come out? Uh, so the crowd could see Orange Cassidy for a second. Oh, I guess Sexy Chucky T doesn't get that crowd pop like Orange Cassidy does. No, he definitely doesn't. It's true. <laughs> How dare you? One day I mean, when it's... he gets to say the S word, he'll get a huge pop. <laughs> he'll break the internet in TNT. <laughs> so I uh, so Pentagon and uh, Trent had this match. I enjoyed it. it uh, no Nick Jackson Phoenix match. Jenny was in the kitchen doing other things. I don't remember what at this point. I watched this match. Mm, you watched part of this match. I was probably getting wine. You were probably getting wine. And uh, <laughs> but, Jenny uh, has a bias against Pentagon anyway. She does not like him. It's true. I just I don't want to see his just sloppy pile drivers that hurt people's heads and necks. Yeah. Uh, Trent actually won this match. Which was, yes, good for Trent. They're getting was, a push. Which was a surprising thing to see happen. As he's having a good run on Dark lately, as the week before, uh, he and Chuck beat Private Party, uh, much to Dustin Rhodes' uh, stoned amusement. And uh, this week, <laughs> he beat uh, Pentagon, which Sean Spears predicted. So Yeah, so last week, Excalibur said that the best friends were getting were on a winning streak. Which so was racking it, up the wins. Racking up the wing, racking up the wins, which was inaccurate to say last week, but would have been accurate to say this week. Yeah. After dynamite, and we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, we get an undesirable to undeniable sort of 
Where's not, Cody? Not it was not by name, but Shanna, who it was about, did say both undesirable and undeniable multiple times in it. So I wonder if like it was originally an undesirable und- to undeniable, and they kind of retrofitted it into something else. It was very good though. I liked I liked learning about her journey from Portugal to France, and you know, getting to getting her first taste of like success in Japan. And then finally like being almost ready to quit the business when she got the call from Kenny that, uh, that they were signing her. Yeah. I guess Cody didn't think she was important enough to be here to actually interview her. Yeah. I was pretty upset. Megan, did you hear the comment about TNA? Yeah. It broke my heart when she said that they, they didn't allow her or they didn't choose her because, well, you know, you look heavy on camera. I was like, come on, come on. In this in this current wrestling climate, where like seemingly all body types are accepted at this point, can we just get past the fact that having muscle means you're a little heavier than like a very, very thin type of person? You know, Agreed. one's not better than the other. Agreed. Isn't like being strong more important in wrestling than being 80, 90 pounds? Yeah, and and we're at a time when, you know, you can have the the smaller girls, and or smaller women, or and the larger ones, and you can be strong either way. You can have muscle. Like the body composition to me at this point is just so stupid because if they can do the work, and they are talented and can tell the story, just let them be. Like one's not better than the other, and you need a diverse type of group to make it interesting like if you had all tiny girls or all large monster you know characters it wouldn't be fun so agreed you need the balance you need the diversity i hate this i've always hated this gatekeeping mentality over what kind of person can get over the test of getting over is if you get over if you get over you got over and don't fucking pick it to death and wonder why and try to and try to like explain why it doesn't count or why it's not real because it doesn't conform to what you think of as a wrestling star if they get over then they're over yeah and it's like tna especially what the hell do you have going on i'm glad she didn't you know quit and now she's in aw because i do think she's very talented and it's cool to see some new blood in there. I think the women's division is getting stronger. And I'm glad that they've brought in, like, her and Chris Statlander and um, Big Swole. Like, we're getting a, some more variety in there to uh, pad out what I thought was a pretty weak roster to begin with. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I mean, they still have a long ways to go, as we'll talk when we get into like these matches but i i think they're getting better and it's it's nice to see some more talent with more experience um able to do a little bit more so after the shanna video package we throw to a brief interview backstage with uh big swole ariel monroe and uh she explains that uh she has a swole mentality and uh a big personality and that is where uh big swole comes from and uh, she's going to kick Shanna's ass in this next match. And then they have a match, and she does not kick Shanna's ass. Shanna wins with a uh, dragon suplex. As usual, with uh, AEW women's matches, it goes a couple minutes past where you ideally think, like, oh, that's a good place for a finish. Yeah. 
I I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I know I just said how much I liked it, uh, but they do seem to have pacing issues when it comes to the ladies they and really planning that out. <laughs> yeah. I blame Kenny. Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> Is Kenny yeah, sure. running the women's division? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Huh. Yeah. There was this terrible, <laughs> terrible sequence that lasted, I think, about three or four minutes. And it took... It was 45 seconds. No, it, it took 45 <laughs> seconds to set up the move, but there was more before it. By the time they got over to the corner, then Swole climbed up, then repositioned herself four times, then Shanna climbed up, and then repositioned Swole again multiple times, and then did a weak-ass move off of the rope. Yeah, the move was pretty cool. She did a double stomp off, off of it. It uh, just took forever to set up. It was so... It just looked so fake. Like, when you have to reposition that many times, and then when the person who's going to do the move has to reposition you as well, yeah, it looks beyond fake, and you shouldn't be doing it. It was bad. You're right about that. But yeah, Shanna wins. So, uh, she has her first win in AEW. Good for her. Okay, that takes us to Leva Bates with Peter Avalon versus Awesome Kong with Brandy Rhodes. Nothing to this. Uh, Bates tries to reason with Kong. Uh, then she snaps the book on her nose when she realizes that's not going to work. Kong uh, hits her with a spinning back fist and uh, and uh, gets the win. Wait, do you think she was trying to reason with Justin Roberts' book? Or was she just trying to distract so she could nose? I mean, smash? I think either interpretation is fine and it ends in the same way. That's <laughs> true. We, she had a fresh new set of extensions in. She did, yeah. She knew what was going to happen. So she had some, she had, her hair was longer than it's ever been before. And, uh, and uh, Kong cut some of it off and put it on her belt. Now, timing-wise, when all this happens, are we acknowledging that even though chronologically Dark happens after BTE, as far as release, is, is this is a look back to last week? We're, we're comfortable with that viewpoint? Because Leva Bates, did she escape? So, oh, good question, Megan. So I think last on last week's Dark, when they had the Young Bucks match in the main event position, Excalibur did say that he did acknowledge that this is taped before this to, to explain why Matt Jackson was wrestling. He said this was taped before Dynamite. So it is acknowledged that it is that things are taped out of order sometimes and the dark doesn't it, you know we're not meant to believe that dark is happening live okay i wasn't sure how they were framing that so that answers yeah. my question because otherwise we could all celebrate knowing that Levi Bates apparently made it out alive and in that case but maybe maybe I she guess. was trying to reason with awesome kong because she successfully used that tactic to escape from the inner circle yes i need the sammy guevara blog where she just teaches them all a lesson directly out of the Justin Roberts book. Right, yeah. <laughs> what type of lessons do you think are in the Justin Roberts book? Probably like vocal exercises. <laughs> How to pronounce Jan. Jan Cena. And that takes us to our main event of Dark. Uh, to me, this was uh, this made the whole show worthwhile. Kenny Omega defending his AAA Mega Heavyweight Championship against the Prince of Parkland, Jack Evans from the Heavens. I loved it. Agreed. It was very good. 
I loved it when Jack Evans countered the Katara Crusher by breakdancing. Uh, I loved it when he 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 countered a uh, Irish whip into the corner by he 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 leapt onto the second turnbuckle, bounced backwards, yet still put his put his feet forwards onto the top turnbuckle to backflip off. It was I don't understand how the physics of that work. It was incredible. To I see. rewound it twice. It was, it was dazzling. This man, it makes me sad that he didn't get his big break on a national stage until he was 37 years old. Mm. It makes me sad that he's with Angelica who's bringing him down. Well, that's a separate issue. He did, he did get to shine a little bit here on he Dark, did. though. Yeah. He's very talented and very athletic. Yeah, I, uh, I love him. And also, I feel like his his shitty heel trash talking is very entertaining, and I'm there for it. Like he was yelling at Kenny the whole time. It was great. Yeah, it was sensational. Why do you think that he didn't make his break until he was 37? Well, um, he's very small, and he came up. He was he was breaking into the business at the time when WWE was not signing small guys. Uh, he had a little run with TNA. But they were paying more in Mexico, so he spent the prime of his career in Mexico. Did TNA have a reverse mentality on weight for men and women? <laughs> yes, the smaller the better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, but Jack, uh, Jack, kind of just timing-wise, he just missed the window. Huh. Like if he, if he was coming up now, I think NXT would have snapped him up. Yeah, oh, man, that yeah. would be really good. Ugh, so good. Yeah. Imagine him and Ricochet just fighting it out. Oh yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that they, you know that those matches happened in real life, but uh... <laughs> but outside of the AEW WWE bubble, so you know yeah. what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was yeah. So that was dark. Uh. I'd say if you're gonna watch it, just you can you could probably skip to the to the main event. Yeah. But the main event's worth watching. That takes us to AEW Dynamite for the week, November 27th, uh, Wednesday, at the Sears Center in Chicago, Illinois, the site of All In and All Out. So we're back to the back to the scene of the crime. And Wait, are we allowed to say All In? We're allowed to say All In. We can acknowledge it. Otherwise, I have a hell of a lot of editing to do earlier in this show. <laughs> um, I, I think, I mean, I guess we'll get into it, Megan, but it may... It, it, this seemed like it was supposed to be like a pretty big deal show the way that they, because I I think there's like a bit of a, they're trying to make this building like almost into their Madison square garden. Yeah. I mean, it is the site of Chris Jericho's Thanksgiving. Thank you. Celebration for the champion. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that maybe overshadows all in and all out, but it should. There's definitely a possibility. And conveniently, that's what we open with. Chris Jericho explaining his celebration, basically. Um, And let me just set the stage for you. There's a marching band on the ramp. There's inflatable animals all around the ring. They're not particularly Thanksgiving or fall-based. I think there's like an elephant. But they're there. They're whatever they could get at the local party supply store that day. (laughs) 
That is true. <laughs> they could have done a better job with the theme. Um, I like they had a couple of them that were designed in a way that made it look like they were standing on their hands. Like they were yeah. in, there were a couple of inverted ones. Huh. I don't remember what animals they were, but I thought that was kind of a cool looking uh, I thing. I think that one that you're thinking of was a clown that was doing like a handstand and also had like its feet kind of hanging over its head. Yeah, okay. In that case, that's horrifying. Um, but it was there. He's afraid of clowns. It, it is horrifying. I think it was like obscured enough that if you really looked, it was a clown. But if you just sort of caught it in your peripheral vision, it just looked like a balloon. I think one of the animals had an actual person in it because it was moving around. I want to say an alligator. What? I think, I think all of them had a person in it, didn't they? Did they? I, I only saw one that was moving. I like, figured they were all inflatable possible. costumes, but maybe they're not. Maybe no, they're not. no. Okay. No. Jenny, Jenny vehemently disagrees with me. This horrifies Jenny more than the clown. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's I mean, fair. There was clearly going to be a person in that giant present box, but that was not the case for all of the inflatable animals. I'm not saying all, but there was one that was walking around the ring. Oh, I like, believe out, you, again. I don't believe Andy. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> battle lines have been drawn um as jenny hinted at there the ring didn't have any animals in it but it did have a pile of presents and one one of them one huge one was decorated with chris jericho wrapping paper custom made i assume and uh to the left of that pile of presents there was just a big ornately framed picture of the inner circle (laughs) just just sitting there um, Soul Train Jones is our MC for the night, and he was there former, to introduce former the former Virgil, the former Virgil, yes, and that his Twitter handle was displayed in the Chiron, so we all knew. Oh, what is his Twitter handle? I think it's just like the real Virgil or something. Oh, okay. well, I can't. It had Virgil. Over. Yeah, it had Virgil in it. It wasn't Soul Train Jones. It, it was very much like I got this SEO, so I'm going to hold on to it. So, do you know? Did you guys know that? Virgil in the WWF was Virgil because it was Vince McMahon's way of mocking Dusty Rhodes. Why? No. Because Dusty Rhodes' real name is Virgil Runnels. What? Yeah. So. What's Cody's real name? Cody Runnels. Oh. Yeah, that's less exciting. But no, but the point is, like, his name is Virgil because it was a dig at Dusty Rhodes. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know who this man was. That's fine. But I'm just saying, I think it's interesting that now a company that Cody helps run is like utilizing a man who's like the, his most famous period in wrestling was using a name that was created solely to mock Cody's father. Now, was, wait, okay, so it's Cody's father who was Virgil. Yeah. What's Dustin's real name? Dustin Runnels. Damn it. <laughs> the kids have all normal names yeah. apparently um not normal but like more common the, was the virgil character um i don't know ridiculous or 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 no but he was he was a he was a servant oh yeah like a valet yeah like he was he was like basically or like footman kind of yes he was like the servant of the million dollar man ted dibiase was this like Downton Abbey, but on wrestling? Kind of. <gasps> Were there you would, racial you would undertones? Actually, you would enjoy the bombacity of the Million Dollar Man. 
All right. Yeah. Soul Train Jones is our MC, and it's appropriate that you point out that he's he was made to kind of um, mock Dusty because I think really it it's perfect that he's part of Chris Jericho's team here. He's on the bad side, and he introduces Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho comes out. He is a graceful host. He has put 50 cent off coupons for Chris Jericho merch <laughs> under a select few chairs. So everybody check. Um, it's going to get you pretty far as far as the merch table goes. I like that it, new Jericho shirt pretty well. I don't think I've actually seen it. The only one I've seen is a little bit of the bubbly with his face on it. And I have an aversion to wrestler shirts with like, faces and upper bodies and just yeah. any sort of real human depiction of the wrestler. No, I get it. The Le Champion shirt does not have a face on it. I wish they would make a little bit of the bubbly without a face on it. Well, when they do, maybe you can um I will hopefully buy it. they do it they they do it when you go to a live show and you can perhaps have the opportunity to get fifty cents off any shirt <laughs> you want. <laughs> um in addition to that merch chris jericho he has an announcement about um another piece of merch he has jenny can you tell us a little bit about what he's offering this is so exciting guys they have branded a little bit of the bubbly wine so they're using knocking point which is the brand that cody uses for his wine yeah it's it's uh i think Stephen amell is involved in the uh i think so the ownership of it yeah, um, so they have now created a wine that is available for pre-sale, but Chris Jericho got some prototypes a little early to use for his celebration today. So you can find it on a Knocking Points website. Mm-hmm. I almost pre-ordered, but while they said it was $23, you actually, in order to order it, have to buy two. So it's really $46. It's true. That much, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And if you don't want to go to knocking point, you can go to littlebitofthebubbly.com because that's set up specifically for this one wine. And it will divert you to the knocking point website. Will it? Oh, yeah. Chris Jericho. Because <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a redirect. But okay. it does take you right to the product page. Mm-hmm. There's a great video on the product page that... Uh, we tried to post on our Instagram account, but we couldn't figure out how. It it uh, he's very it's 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 an amazing like forty five second promo where you can tell it's just straight off the top of his head, and another illustration of why Chris Jericho is the wrestler of the year twenty nineteen. <laughs> At least in promos. Yeah, that's true. He's very good. Um, and to illustrate how good he is, he invites the rest of the inner circle out to the ring. Because he needs his boys out there for this celebration. My but boys. he continues to be <laughs> my boys. Uh he continues to be the main talker here. Um but Sammy gets out there and he calls Chris Jericho his father figure. Which is I guess sweet, but also a little terrifying if that's the kind of relationship we're we're starting here. To show his love for his father figure, he he points to something a section of the ring that had been covered with a nice velvet sort of blanket. And he says this is his Christmas present to him. And he reveals a cardboard stand-up of Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara hugging with the most, like, insane smiles on their faces. (laughs) It's 
so good. Um, but it is truly terrifying as well. So Chris Jericho is very happy to receive this. I assume he'll be putting it in his living room, a place of honor. But yeah, that's Sammy's daddy. Well, then they um, embrace and t- and strike the exact same pose that they're striking in the cardboard cutout. They do. They recreate yeah. the moment. Yeah. I mean, this is clearly a knock on the best friends. And why don't the best friends have a giant life-size cardboard cutout? I don't know. I, don't I mean... mean Chuck's not even allowed to say the S word, so I feel like they're kind of, they don't have the same pool, you know? It's true. Mm. They don't have a wine named after them. No. I would buy a best friend's wine. Me too. And then as best friends, we can drink it together. It's true. And then we can hug and the camera will pan out quickly from us. Yeah. And it'll be great. We're going to do a, uh, what do they call it when it's a special podcast? A special podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, Special a, bon- a bonus, a bonus <laughs> a episode. Bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. So one of these days, we will do a bonus episode of a wine tasting of all the wrestler wines. All three. I'm of them. actually. Oh, I'm sure we can find more. I'm very excited to do that because I, I'm curious about uh, just the taste level of our various wrestling people. Uh, so Megan and I have had the Bella wine, the Bel Radici. And it is done in partnership with the Ryan Hill family vineyard mm-hmm. out in California. And it is high quality. It's very good, right? I I was worried when the Bellas did a wine that it was going to be like in the 10 to $20 price point. And I just thought, we know the Bellas have a good palate. And clearly, if they do it at that price point, it will not be great wine because... You have to pay for the label and for the Bella name and everything like that. So you're not really spending your money on the wine. But it's actually at like a $45 price point, And it is excellent. It really is. I think the only flaw is that they don't sell it in Ohio, where we both live. Agreed. We have to go to Kentucky. It's true. Cross state lines. Cross state lines and go to a dangerous, dangerous place called Total Wine. Where your credit card will not thank you for going to this mecca of wine. Yes, by dangerous, you mean dangerous in that you spend a lot of money because it's a very pleasant atmosphere and <laughs> you can you can buy a bunch of wine there. It's so great. It's true. So to get back to this celebration, guys, <laughs> Jenny, I feel like we got some wine flowing, a little bit of the bubbly. It's all good. It's all good. There's a hugging stand up staple part of any party um proud and powerful they don't consider chris jericho a father figure or at least they don't say it so they've just brought a gift basket for him it's a little more like a buddy level gift basket not please be our father gift basket um it has a bunch of stuff in it uh notably the coffee that i drink on a daily basis i appreciated that but also yeah yeah cafe I'm going to mispronounce it. Cafe Bustello. Very good. Yeah. I endorse it. They had to put tape over the label because they did not pay for it. But you could tell it was yours. Yeah. It's a yellow canister. It's very bright. Well, they said that this was like a Bariqua starter pack that they were giving him. Yeah. I mean, it's it's good coffee. Which, you know, Bariqua just simply means a Puerto Rican uh, one, you know, who lives in the United States. Oh. See, there, makes... 
they're too proud to be so desperate to ask Jericho to be their father. <laughs> if they weren't proud, then they wouldn't be powerful. That's right. Proud. So the other things that are in this basket, and I don't know if they're inside jokes or not, but it seems like maybe they are. Um, Vapor rub, a pair of flip flops, a forty, a little oh. bit of the forty. A pair of flip flops, because uh, you know you know how your mom be hitting you in the head with with her shoes. Yes, they did explain that one. <laughs> so there must be like some kind of. Um, stereotypes about Puerto Rican moms that I'm not aware of. <laughs> that they hit people with flip-flops. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I guess I would ask Jericho to be my mother then if my mother hit me in the head with shoes. So there's also a little bit of the 40, which they're very proud to uh, pick up because uh, due to television, it's in a bag, paper bag, just like you'd get at the corner liquor store. They say a little bit. Of, you know what this is, right? It's a little bit of the forty. Chris Jericho, very amused. He Jericho very said, much did not know what it was before they told him. <laughs> he I was like, because... "No, <laughs> <laughs> come on, Jericho, it's a bottle in a bag." I, uh, I, Jenny, I know that you are like not the biggest fan of Ortiz because of his rope biting, yeah. and his shouting, but he has so much charisma. He does. I think sometimes he lets it like it's misplaced sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Chris Jericho should know what a forty is because he played Edward Fortyhands with Darby Allen in the ring. That's true. A few weeks ago. Yeah. Do you mean well, they, did, they didn't quite get to he it. Taped his arms. Yeah, he he was. I think the, I think Jenny's right. I think that's what he was trying to do, but like Darby overreacted. <laughs> He's like, let me just tape some alcohol to your hands and we'll all have fun here, kid. But yeah. instead, Darby freaked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Chris Jericho takes that 40 and he sets it. He's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And he sets it by his present pile. So I think he's definitely going to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. The next thing they... the 40. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, The next thing that they bring out, though, is a bandana to make him official. That's right. It's a, a Bariqua do-rag. Yeah. So, Chris Jericho in the club. Uh, at this point, because everybody is showering him with gifts, Chris Jericho notices that Jake Hager is not in the ring. Where's the big hurt? Where is the big hurt? And it turns out the big hurt is kind of off, like, in the crowd. And he's trying desperately to wrangle a very nervous goat. That just wants to get out of here no matter what. <laughs> and this, JK doesn't know how to deal with it. This gave me great respect for the strength of goats. Because I assume that Jake Hager is incredibly strong. Yeah. That goat was pulling him because it wanted so desperately to get out of this situation, which was totally fair. But Jake Hager had to hold him long enough to say, hey, I got you this present. <laughs> It's Chris Jarragoat. Which is, of course, now a t-shirt on Pros and Tees. Sure, so. yeah. I mean, shouldn't you know how strong goats are? Isn't there a saying, stubborn as a goat? Yeah, but I think Jake Hager just assumed he could take it. And there was this this lady who was trying to, I think she's the goat wrangler. She was trying to help him, but it just wasn't working. That goat was like, fuck this. I need to get out. And Jake Hager's just one-handed trying to keep him 
in the camera shot. It's rough. It's like when Pharaoh came out with Cody and they did pyro. Okay, it wasn't that bad. Because <laughs> they didn't, like, detonate explosives near the near the goat. But and Is PETA going to come after them? I, this, this one wasn't too bad, you know, like... No, I think, yeah, Jenny, there wasn't explosives. The goat was just not into the crowd noise, I think. But it was scared of the crowd. It was a little bit scared, but, like, it's. I don't think it was traumatizing, like, poor Pharaoh. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Adam Page's horse Or Hunter Horse Helmsley. Yeah, he was pretty scared of the crowd, too. Animals don't generally do well in this uh, wrestling crowd situation, I will say. They're trying really hard to make it happen, but... This should probably be the last time. They're kind of 0 for 3 now. Yeah, it's not good. Animals. I mean, don't I guess understand. I guess the horse did fine, but like the horse seems scared too. Yeah, but it got him there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly surprised that the horse didn't just freak out and buck Adam Page off of it and run. Well, the guys so, gave with both hands, so he would have just been able to to hold tight. Yeah, it's exactly true. what I was gonna say. He would have eight true. seconds of that shit. It's true. <laughs> so I guess Chris. Jericho gets uh, Chris Jericho goat as a present, but he is not seen again. Jake Hager and the goat disappear because this is rough. Yeah, okay. but um, he's presumably dealing with goat issues for a large part of this broadcast. <laughs> yeah, and and, and, I, I, and I wasn't joking. You can totally get a Chris Jericho uh, t-shirt now up on Prosing Tees because, of course, you can because these boys are on top of it. March Frank. The, the Bucks know how to merch. Mm-hmm. Um. So after, so at this point, like all of the inner circle has presented their gifts to Jericho, but there's one last gift, and it's I guess from all of them, and they go over to the giant present that is wrapped in Chris Jericho's head, basically like a bunch of little shots of his head with now like this, I think, champagne. This is a wrapping paper they need to sell at Pro Wrestling Tees for the holiday season. Oh, it really is. It really is. This is perfect for this time of the year. This would sell. Um, yes. We would buy this. It really would. Okay, so I need it to ask Megan's you. Megan's Christmas present would be wrapped in this if they sold it. I can't wait. I need to ask you both this. Like, did you have an inkling? Did you think, like, did you have an idea of who was inside the box? Because it was obviously, obvious from the second it was there that, like, oh, a person is inside that. Right. So, I... I thought SCU. Yeah. Or at least Scorpio. I thought it was definitely going to be someone who doesn't like Chris Jericho and was trying to ruin his Thanksgiving thank you celebration for Le Champion. Mm -hmm. But I was wrong. Megan, who did you think it was? I also assumed SCU as a group because it was such a big box but I I thought it was going to turn bad you know like it was going to be like surprise oh no you're attacked now yeah I feel like they really like subverted a trope here yes because it turns out that inside this giant present is just Chris Jericho's dad who has no ill feelings towards him (laughs) he's he's very happy to be there yeah New York Rangers uh, legend Ted Irvine Yes, and Chris Jericho's dad um, is maybe the perfect addition to the inner circle. Not saying he's an official member, but he really just joined up with his son here today. And he says, it's great to be back in New York City, which is a huge misstep, apparently, because based on context clues, Chicago hates the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. No, they were not into it. 
Yeah, he. Um, Does Chicago have a hockey team? The Blackhawks. Yes. They talked about it in this promo. Yes, the Chris Jericho's dad specifically says he remembers how he used to kick ass against the Blackhawks, and I think he said um, Bobby Hall specifically. He beat up. Yep. And, and so there were a bunch of wusses. Yes. Or wimps the crowd. Or like that. The crowd hates it. The crowd hates it. And mm. then just to like salt the wound, Chris Jericho's dad presents each inner circle member with their own custom Rangers jersey to drive home the fact that New York is better than Chicago. Did you see Soul Train Jones make a move like he thought he might get a personalized jersey? Yeah, Soul Train, <laughs> you're not in the inner circle, bud. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's sad. It was a little bit sad. Like, Jericho could have sprung for a personalized jersey for him. I would have thought so, but he didn't. Yeah, so Soul Train does not get a jersey, and Soul Train's value to the group is further illustrated in a second here, because... So now now that we're all in a happy place, Jericho's dad has really brought the spirit with the jerseys. Jericho says, it's time. The point of this celebration is... I have an official thank you letter from the AEW executive team and the network top brass. Wow, that Jericho wrote himself, I'm sure. You know, it's one of those things like you write your own letter of recommendation and say, hey, if you agree, can you just sign this? <laughs> yep. Uh, so, <laughs> so Jericho has done that. Um, and he doesn't, he's too tired to read. So he calls in. This kid on the outside of the ring. You might know him as Justin Roberts, but Jericho sure as hell doesn't. He calls him in, and Justin Roberts is like, cool, yeah, I can I can read this. And so he reads this letter. It's very boilerplate form letter. It says what Jericho wants, essentially. Thank you for being part of this and, and carrying the load. And it all seems good until the end when Jericho's like, you know what? I don't like your tone the way you read that. Whoa. So, yeah, he just he turns on him. Poor Justin Roberts read this perfectly nice letter in a very neutral tone. That was apparently not enough. Jericho slaps him. <gasps> yep, poor little Justin. He goes to the ground and then the inner circle basically converge and go full on like high school bully on this this poor man. Did you did you did it occur to you? It didn't occur to me, but I heard somebody uh uh say it uh later that they were amazed that they didn't have uh, someone choke Justin Roberts with his own tie, like uh, as a callback to the to the Daniel Bryan uh, firing. Oh no! Actually, I thought of that more when Cody got choked with his own tie a couple weeks ago. Oh by, yeah, yeah, by Wardlow. Oh, I guess yeah, they had just done a tie choking, so yeah, you're right. That would have probably wouldn't have been as good. Yeah, poor Justin, though he like he did not deserve this. He got real beat down, but luckily. SCU were not in that present, but they were in the band. Oh. And yes, they run out disguised as band members and come to Justin Roberts' rescue. Mm-hmm. They also, like, kind of take out Soul Train Jones. Sorry. So, so Frankie Kazarian put the Million Dollar Dream, which is like a sleeper hold, sleeper hold variation, on Soul Train Jones, which is... And so, like, that was kind of an inside joke because... As I mentioned earlier, Soul Train Jones, when he was Virgil, was the valid for the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. And the Million Dollar Dream was Ted DiBiase's finishing move. Okay, yes. Good call back then. Mm-hmm. 
And also, this is kind of an illustration of why Soul Train didn't get a jersey. Like, the inner circle abandoned ship immediately, and they did not look back for Soul Train. They left him to to get whatever he was going to get. So, Soul Train, get out of that group. They do not respect you. Yeah. Join the elite. They need, they need somebody after Adam Page left the group. It's true. It's true. We've got a slot to fill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was the opening... Uh, it was very entertaining, and it's it's basically that was the celebration. Like this show doesn't carry the arc of this thank you celebration for Le Champion. It was all at the beginning, and in some ways, I kind of appreciate that that it wasn't attempting to be a theme show. It was, and I don't mean this as an insult at all. Like it, it might sound like it, but this was like this was like a high end raw skit. Yes, and you don't mean that in a bad way. No, high end, like like. It, you know, when, when Raw, when, like, at least back in the day, maybe not recently, but, you know, like, there used to be occasionally, like, really funny, fun, like, skits on Raw and SmackDown. And, like, this was, this reminded me, this was in that kind of style. Yeah, I specifically thought I enjoyed this, but I hope that they do not start to get into the routine of making a 20-minute opening with no wrestling. Yeah, me too. I, but I like it. I, I kind of like the idea that you can that anything can be the opening segment. Like like last week we had that like incredibly hot Nick Jackson Ray Phoenix match and this week we had this this thing, which at least was promoted and built to for a week. And and that other time where we had uh Cody getting off the PJ. Yeah. There's BJ. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy anything with Jericho promoting champagne. Mm-hmm. So it, that could be the whole show for me. I'm good. Yeah, you can start I, every show with this. Again, I enjoyed it. I just, I don't, I think one of the things that really turned me off about Raw when I kind of stopped watching was just every show started out with 20 to 30 minutes of some sort of skit. And mm. more often than not, it did not land, which was just rough because it's like, just get to what this is. This is a wrestling show. So I appreciate that they did this one right. And I hope that they also just continue to mix up how they open the shows with like matches or skits, but don't commit to just doing one because it gets boring. I think raw at a certain point, they just kind of got really comfortable with a format and just stuck with it for a really long time. And and I would say that AEW starts differently every week. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, they... Sometimes it'll start with everyone in the ring, and, like, the bell rings, and then we go. Sometimes it'll start with Ray Phoenix trying to kill Christopher Daniels with a terrible <laughs> pile driver. Yeah. Sometimes it'll start with Le Champion's Thanksgiving thank you celebration for Le Champion. Mm-hmm. Quite a mouthful, but yes. So I-, I appreciated that. I just, you know, like, there's, like, weird flashbacks of, oh, no, please don't do this forever. I just had one of those, and I don't think they will, but, you know. Please don't do this forever is the opposite of fight forever. Yes. Please (laughs) don't do this forever. I am done. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll see next week. Yeah. I'm sure they'll be not worried. Uh, After this segment, we learn that uh, the announced team, Tony Schiavone, is out because he has the college Basketball. Yes. The George, his so Georgia he, Bulldogs that he commentates for are in a uh, tournament in Hawaii. Oh, nice. Cool. Jim Ross says, pretty good gig there. Yeah, I've never <laughs> been to Hawaii. 
It looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. You got to start calling basketball matches so you can get flown down there. Heck yeah, I know so much about basketball. They yeah. shoot into a hoop, and there are two points, one points, and three points available. Yeah, that's all true. Watch out. ESPN's about to hire her away from us. <laughs> yeah. After all these years of not getting Renee Young, they're going to end up with an even better catch. It's true. The elite beats Jenny. Um, so we learned that because Tony is out, though, and because apparently they learned that a two-man booth is a little rough when Tony's not there, they Only have brought in... Only if that booth contains Jim Ross. It's a little well, rough. It always does. So, <laughs> but they have brought in Marco Solis Martinez, who is apparently uh, a member of the All Elite Fleet. Announcing. What is the All Elite Fleet? No idea. Okay, so I actually know because I looked it up. But they didn't tell us. They said All Elite Fleet like we're supposed to know what that is. Tony Schiavone would have said, hey, what's that? Or Yeah, well, I, so anyway, it is basically, it is a newsletter for, what? for AEW fans. What? Yeah, you okay. just get it to your you just get it to your uh, your inbox. As the Elite Beat podcast, the official AEW podcast. Why are we not on the Elite Fleet newsletter subscription? I don't know. Get us involved. Get us get us added. Okay. I don't know, but I will say, this man, while he seemed perfectly nice, didn't add much to the commentary overall. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like he was pretty silent throughout the entire show. Am I wrong? Well, Megan, it's interesting that you thought he was there for the entire show, but he was actually only there for this one match. Oh, <laughs> really? So okay. He also good reason didn't, you didn't notice him. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, he he you you could barely notice him during the one match he was there for. But at least you didn't notice him later. He made me pine for the dulcet tones of Alex Marvez. Yes. What's <laughs> dulcet mean? Uh... Double nothing. You don't know what Tulsa means. Oh, Tulsa that's right. That's right. Um, who was it who asked that? Was it um, Trent? Trent. That's right. <laughs> Hold on. I got to look up what Dulcet means. <laughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense that he wasn't there because he was so quiet. This man, this poor man, having to deal with Excalibur and Jim Ross, he just didn't really make an impact. No. This was a weird thing, and they... They they said it was like sponsored by I forget who it was like Progressive Insurance or something like that, and it was Progressive like, does better to stick with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and it was just like what like why did this happen? Why was this man not checked for a pulse before he was put on <laughs> uh, the, the the booth? Uh, We've got a standard pulse check, uh, sir. You know, passing. Yeah, honestly, is it? bad when Sean Spears is maybe one of the top guest announcers in this promotion? Sean, we, we didn't talk about it, but Sean Spears is pretty good, right? He did a really good job. He was. Yeah. Like, if I'm thinking back over the dark and, and these episodes, I think MJF and Sean Spears are the most engaged guests that they've had on, but everyone else is just, just dead in the water. Or high. Or high, Yeah. I it's like rough. Taz a lot, but he had an unfair advantage of being a professional broadcaster. Sure. Yeah. But I thought that Sean Spears did a much better job than M- MJF because he didn't, like, try and stay in character as much as MJF did. So MJF really tried to stay in character for the men's matches, but then he, like, was a totally different person during the women's matches, which made no sense at all. And also, but- if you're in character, it's really hard to call, like, a, like a match. So I thought oh. Sean Spears did a better job. 
I agree about the in-character thing for MJF, but at least he, like, knew his stuff. He was saying move names. He was calling spots. He was participating. I'm sorry, Marco. You said maybe three words, and then I just lost you. You did not buffer Excalibur and JR the way that Tony does and the way that I think they need somebody seriously there the whole show when Tony's not there. Uh, it was just it was rough you know like he was so silent it it was almost easier to just not have a third guys i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i didn't know there was third person out there for this match well they 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 like kind of they pitched to him a couple of times and he would quietly say something it was was clearly not like right up on the microphone like you're supposed to be and yeah, it was just it was just a failure, and then they they got him out of there. It wasn't the end of the world, but like it did kind of it did hamper the this this first match a little bit. Now, did they plan to get him out of there, or it just went so badly that they? I think they planned to get him out of there. I think it was like a one segment sponsored thing, and then they and then well, he was gone. Why was he sponsored? The, well, they kept saying the the name of the company. It was like I think it was Progressive Insurance. I could be I could be misremembering. Well, that, but, but why was he? Why was Progressive Insurance and sponsoring him? Does he work for Progressive? No, no, he's 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 a member of the Elite Fleet. Uh, like you know, like newsletter mailing list, and he probably they probably picked his name out of a hat, and and there he was. Why did Progressive sponsor? So they would say fleet? so they would say the the brand's name on television a few times. Oh. To crib something Excalibur said during the dark announcing, he has, Marcos has a uh, voice for print. The match that he is here to call, along with JR and Excalibur, is the best friends facing the Lucha Brothers. And the best friends are accompanied by Orange Cassidy, who has uh, gotten into the season and dressed up as a turkey. The best friends get the win. You know, Jenny, you were making fun of their record a little early in the show, but they do get the win. Trent pins Phoenix, which means he's officially pinned in singles both Lucha Brothers. But this was a doubles. It was, but they made a a point to highlight it, so I think it's going to come up again. Just the fact that Trent has individually pinned both members in separate matches. I mean, they did also... uh, I don't know exactly when in the show they announced it, but they did book a singles match for next week between Trent and Phoenix. Oh, okay. Now, why is Trent getting this push, but Chuck isn't? Trent's better. (gasps) (laughs) Just, it's like pins in my heart. (laughs) Trent's got a good physique. (laughs) Chuck has a McDonald's physique. (laughs) How? He's, he's, you. He's, he's one McDonald's layer away from having a good physique, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, McDonald's gets us all, okay? We're all one layer of McDonald's away from a good physique. Oh, I'm a few. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Me and Bronson Reed. Phoenix was wearing a weird thing. He was, like, wearing they, almost like a warm-up jacket. <laughs> they ha- I think that... I assume that was their new merchandise. I haven't seen it, but maybe. I don't know. Because they, they both had on, Phoenix and Pentagon both had on hoodies that said, like, ugh, I, I can't butcher the Spanish. I won't. But it it said, like, basically, like, what they say, the being the best, but in Spanish. Um, but I think one was black with white lettering and one was white with black lettering. Yeah. So I just assume that's their new merch. But if it's not up yet, maybe I'm incorrect. 
I mean, they're from Mexico City, right? Like, maybe they were just cold in Chicago. Maybe. It was snowing. Maybe so, yeah. Um, but you're right, Megan. I'm sure it was there. They won with the their uh, their combo pile driver thing. The best friends did. I would I would I would go ahead and say even even after Trent Penn Pentagon in a singles match, I would still say this is a pretty big upset. Yeah, yeah, because I think the Lucha Brothers are what ranked number one contender. So heading into this this week, the Lucha Brothers were ranked yes number one in the tag team division as the number one contenders. If you look at what's happened over the past week, or the past like you know ten days or so, on Dark last week, uh, the good uh, the best friends beat Private Party. Then on Dark this week, Trent beat Pentagon, and then this week on Dynamite, the best friends beat the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. So I think it's it's clear that they're getting like a push here. They are. They're clearly getting a push. I'm pro a best friends push, but that's oh, just me. It's just it just seems like it kind of came out of nowhere. I yeah, but I, I'm still into it. I'm okay with this thing happening. Um, in costuming, I will say I liked that Trent had his Spider-Man themed gear. You know, it, it themed enough that you couldn't bring like a lawsuit against him, but you could tell what it was. And then Pentagon Junior had like a Venom looking mask on this week. All these wrestlers, they just love the comic book stuff, don't they? I love it. I, I want them to like let their nerd flags fly. In... It makes it makes sense because like you know like I feel like comic books and pro wrestling are very similar in what they are doing. Yeah, like very colorful characters and and heroes and that very non black and <laughs> yeah and the non black and white or no the actual very black and white line of good versus evil. There's no gray area. Right. Oh, that's a good point, so, Megan. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, space, I, no black and white. Yeah, you know, you know who you're supposed to cheer for, who you're supposed to be mad at. So I'm into it, and if the best friends get a push, I'm there for it. Mm-hmm. How dare you insult Chuck's McDonald's body, you monster! So next up, we've got B Priestley and Emmy Sakura teaming up against Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. Well, for, uh, before that, we had a, a little uh, top five action. We had some we had some rankings on screen for I, I think I don't remember us seeing rankings on Dynamite before this. Oh yes, you're right. I didn't want to like I, I know you have a ranking segment, so I didn't want to steal your thunder. But you're correct. Well, I mean, this they is still this is still last week's ranking. So we, we these these weren't the up to date rankings that came out on Friday yet. Okay. Yeah, and the, I think the rankings were basically shown to lead into this because Hikaru Shida is moving up the list here. And Emi Sakura is also in the, is right in the middle of the ranking, so. Yes, but she dropped, right? Because she got the match with Riho because she had been at the top, but now has been replaced. Correct, yes. So Emi is teaming with B and facing Chris and, and Hikaru Shida, which should affect the rankings. Because it's unclear because as Jenny often points out, these are, these are, this is a tag match and these are supposedly singles rankings, for, you know, for contention, but it does seem like they play into it somehow. And it's, it's unclear how it's unclear how <laughs> well the waiting also against like who your wins are against. If you're beating, you know, the champion versus like somebody below you in the rankings that appears to have weight. We just don't know how much. Right. 
They could be more transparent with their rankings. Indeed. Jenny, as a numbers person, doesn't love this. And I get it. So this B Priestley, Emmy Sakura match results in them winning. And uh, rankings-wise, I don't know how this affects it, but Emmy Sakura gets the pin on Chris Statlander after cheating. Wait, after cheating, hit her with guys. A stand, right? Yes. <laughs> but Bryce Remsburg, the referee, did not see it. So how do you feel about... I feel like there were some shenanigans that went down in this match where it it's like I don't question Bryce's ability as a ref i think he's very good and amazing but also at the same time like they've positioned rick knox in a way that should i question bryce's ability as a ref because he missed a lot and let a lot happen in this match i don't know like the microphone yeah there was a line in here where jim ross said that like i'm a fan of bryce remsberger's officiating but he's being played like a fiddle here or something to that effect yeah so i i think it's just you've got a lot of different people who so one of the advantages of WWE is that they have a house style that everybody's trained in and everybody, everybody's on the same page all the time and they all know exactly what they're doing with AEW. You've got people coming from all over the place with a bunch of different backgrounds. You don't have like codified, this is the way to do things, you know, thing. So I think that in some promotions, especially maybe like more comedy heavy ones that like Emi Sakura might be, you know, more familiar with in Japan, there's maybe a lot more of like messing around with the referee and the referees probably have less credibility than they would like them to have here in AEW, ideally. So you do a lot of like rough spots like that. And I think it does hurt the credibility of the referees to do that all the time. It does. But that's, but if that's what Emmy Sakura knows and that's what Emmy Sakura knows. And to be fair, I think that if you are making it that style, that what they did here was great because Bryce is also very much like a comedy ref who can participate in that but it's just uh it's like a stark contrast to the serious level that are required of maybe other refs so the fact that you can like it's up to the ref's discretion to let things go or not it seemed like bryce let a lot of stuff go in this match but that was the story they were telling so it's just kind of like what tone are we trying to set here yeah, and I feel like we've seen this with Bryce before. Like, I think he's maybe been selected for this type of calling of match before, where there were a lot of rush shenanigans. And that's fine. He's very good at it. It's just, like, that was my issue with how they grilled Rick Knox constantly on commentary and all that stuff. It's like, you are setting this up to be a promotion where ref discretion is very serious, and you can't, how do you justify, like, these types of matches where and on any other platform, like, this is just, like, I get this. I understand this match. I understand the tone that they're trying to set. It's just kind of silly when put up against things that, like, Rick Knox is doing or Aubrey is doing, where those refs are very serious. And you would not get away with that sort of stuff. And I don't want it to be, like, an undercutting of Bryce Remsburg as a ref. I just think he's very good at this style. So it was just confusing as far as like tone you're trying to set. Yeah, yeah, totally. B and Emmy win that with cheating, but the numbers will reflect that. So we'll see where the rankings go after next week. Well, will they reflect that? They should. Let's get into John Moxley talk. 
He's still mad. He is uh, looking for anyone else who is out there that wants to get to him before he gets to them. He says specifically, I am a wildfire moving across the country. I am napalm death. I will get to you eventually. So he's very cool still and very angry. Did you like this or did you think it was corny? No, I liked it. I mean, I'm I'm too far gone into the Moxley train of like, even if it's corny, I'm going to embrace it. <laughs> gotcha. I'm not a good person to ask. You're an unreliable narrator when it comes to John Moxley segments. Like Renee. For sure. I love him. Who's your favorite member of the Shield? I like them all equally. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Renee. No, love John Moxley. Like, if this is corny, I just didn't register it because I was like, look at you. You're so angry and I love you. You're doing great. So with that being said, we're going to move on to Cody. He's returning. He's going to have a match. And it's going to be with a person named Matt Nix who is already in the ring when this starts. So you know that's a bad sign. Um, it is a bad sign, but I learned stuff about Matt Nix. Uh, he is a local promoter. And some of the crowd were actually chanting, I believe, Freestyle, um, because he runs a promotion called uh, Freestyle Wrestling uh, in Chicago. Oh, I kind of love that. Like, I'm very happy if if the local talent can get some some traffic off of this. Yeah, and, like, it's, like, you know, the crowd was, they knew enough to know that, like, like there, there were you know a, a inside enough crowd to like know who this was at least some of them you know. Yeah, yeah. Matnik already starts in the ring, which implies this is going to be what it was, which was as we term it a smashum. But at the same time, like Matnik got some offense in. He didn't just immediately crumble to Cody, and since the local people appreciated him. I think that's really nice. Um, Cody beats him, of course, but... He, he won with a figure four leg lock, of all things. Not a, a move with which he's never won a match in AEW. Now, is that significant? Is this like a callback? I think it's maybe just establishing other moves for Cody. Oh, the fact that he doesn't just do the crossroads? Yeah, that he could win. He could, he could beat you in, in uh, you know, a multitude of ways. Also, want to highlight that the announcers they brought up the issue of Cody being ranked currently in the the like overall title view. Yeah. Even though he, he lost and theoretically will not challenge. But Excalibur said that in sports, challengers that are ineligible are still technically ranked. So that's why we have Cody in there, even though he won't um I guess in theory act on the fact that he is higher in the rankings. And then Jim Ross chastised us all for overthinking it. <laughs> JR, get on board with his company. No, I think I think in that case he was on board with the company. He was he was criticizing oh, said, the fans. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't know. I don't I guess I didn't have the context of other sports, so I thought it was a legitimate question. Like, why is Cody still in this ranking? So I think it's a legitimate question too. It's it, like it's like it's not like it's a top twenty-five. It's a top five, and he's taking up one of those five spots. And are you telling me that if he wins like ten matches in a row and he's ranked number one, that like it's it's not going to look weird when the number two contender is the one who's getting all the title shots? 
It is. I mean, JR just wants you to blindly follow whatever they're doing and saying, just like the other company. I want to, before we leave Matt Nix uh, behind probably forever, I want to say <laughs> the, uh, the Pro Wrestling Tees Instagram account uh, posted uh, a little video from this match because uh, their founder was actually in the front row, um, a scrump. And uh, he wrote, you saw him job to uh, Cody tonight on AEW Dynamite, but what you probably don't know is he was one of the first 10 wrestlers to ever sign up for PWT six and a half years ago and actually is the guy who prints every AEW logo shirt and hoodie for PWTs.com. Wow. Uh, show oh. him some love, buy a shirt of his during Black Friday. And then there's a link to his own store. Cool. So I guess he also works for Pro Wrestling Tees. Sounds like it. Yeah. That's so heartwarming. Oh, I'm glad for him. Yeah. So I didn't know that about him until just now. And I mean, that makes sense because Pro Wrestling Tees is based out of Chicago. Yeah. It makes sense that they're a founder and, uh, you know, an employee. Would be there. Would be there. Doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. After the match, Cody is out in the ring and he calls out MJF because he wants to take care of their beef right here, right now. He calls him out to fight him. And instead of MJF responding, what we get is this little square in the uh, in the, the canvas of the ring. I didn't even notice this on the first time. Really? I was just like, where did that guy come from? Okay, like from the depths of hell if you watch WWE, <laughs> but I think in AEW it's maybe just under the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, a man emerged <clears throat> and he is called The Blade, according yeah. to Excalibur. Uh, and he is followed quickly by the butcher. Also, Excalibur knows who this is. Jr. Just as confused as what I assumed you and I were, because I have no idea who these people are. But the blade and the butcher emerge. They beat up Cody, and then after Cody's down, they reach into the canvas hole and they pull out the bunny, which is, I guess, Allie's new persona. Yeah. So. Her nickname on the indies has, like, for a long time been the Demon Bunny, and I never really understood why that was, so I guess this is playing off of that. Huh. So, are the Blade and the Butcher people we should know as far as, like, indie wrestlers? I mean, they are an indie wrestling tag team, I think, largely in the New York area. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but so the the Blade is, his name is Braxton Sutter, and he is Allie's husband in real life. Oh, wow. Um, he was an impact uh, for a, uh, quite a while, but it was like the same time Allie was, but it was kind of that post Spike TV era of impact where they weren't really relevant that they're still in now. <laughs> now, do you think that they allowed women who were 10 pounds overweight to be in the company at that point? I don't know. Did you see Allie? Does she look, how does she look? Not 10 pounds overweight. Okay. <laughs> now, Megan, <laughs> I have an important question for you. Sure. Have you ever heard of a band called Every Time I Die? Yes. Have you ever, like, heard their music? No, I just assumed they were, like, emo pop punk if I had to base it off their name. Not Guar. (laughs) Not Guar, no. So, uh, The Butcher is the guitarist for the band Every Time I Die. Okay. I guess you can have multiple jobs. Now, there's an article about this on one of my favorite websites uh, about, like, music and movies and pop culture called Consequence of Sound. And uh, they describe Every Time I Die as a a hardcore 
pop, uh, hardcore punk band. Guar. Still no. <laughs> Jenny. Guar is like theatrical metal. It's fine. Um, but that that description of every time I die makes total sense to me. Uh, and I guess so. He he's been like doing indie wrestling for years. Um, he he's he did like matches during like the Warp tour and stuff like that. I guess they did like stuff like that. Oh wow! Like I've always wanted to. Well, not always. Let's contain that to like my teenage to high school to early college years. Wanted to go to the Warp tour. I didn't realize wrestling was a component. So I went to a Warp tour. Uh, you know, when they hit uh, Columbus one time, and they did not have wrestling that I saw, so they weren't doing it at that point. Mm. But uh, apparently, so like the Butcher and the Blade have been a team as this act for a couple of years now. Okay, so yeah. presumably I'm I'm going to say they're signed. If I would, this yeah, is Ali's new way. gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I I'm willing to give them a chance. It was just it was kind of like the introduction of LAX, where. Um, I think they thought it was going to have a lot more impact than it did. And then a lot of people, including JR, were confused about who this team was. Like, who I, these I, people are. I kind of likened it to the debut of the, the, the Dark Order. They were just suddenly there, and everybody was like, who are these guys? The next caliber seemed to know, but he wouldn't actually say it because he wasn't supposed to at that point. But you're right. It is similar to the LAX, and this does seem to be their move when they introduce tag teams now. It's because it's happened three times. Yeah, and I guess, like, we are supposed to glean from that that Kong attacking Allie somehow turned her bad, like, somehow broke something in her. Well, I mean, maybe, or it's just that how do you get at Brandy, who was orchestrating that attack, you attack Cody. Oh, yeah, that's true. Interesting. Okay, I'm I'm not against these people, I'm just... I felt like it was such a weird, cold introduction that I just didn't know how I was supposed to react. I, so I was, I was more negative about it on the uh, the day of than I am now. I've, I think it's I actually kind of think it's cool now, and I, maybe it's because I found out that like the butcher is like in a hardcore punk band, and I think that's pretty fun. <laughs> he and Darby <laughs> Allen are just like, like hanging well, out. Well, uh, what yeah, like, isn't Chris Jericho in a band too? Yeah. Is it punk or no? They're just like a just like a rock band. Rock band. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I, I just, I think it's just kind of, I think it's kind of cool. And it's like, you know, I haven't listened to their music, but it's Every Time I Die is definitely a band I've heard of over the years. Yeah, I've definitely heard that name. I just, I'm so unfamiliar with any of their catalog. Yeah, and I like that he wears a monocle as the butcher. So after that, we get into Pack versus Kenny Omega. And this is a rematch from All Out held in this exact same arena back in August, where Pac won. This time around, Kenny Omega won, though. I think that's pretty cool that they did, like, they, they made it, like, about geography. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're further cementing the fact that this is a very important arena to them. Like, this is a big match. There's literally a plaque of Cody and the Bucks on the front of the building. I thought that was really sweet when they revealed that <laughs> on BT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they showed but, it again uh, on Road 2. It's still there. <laughs> oh, good. Like, the arena shouldn't remove it. <laughs> they should be very <laughs> proud of it. Um, but how did you... This match, I thought, was amazing. Very uh, fun. 
high flying stuff going on. But like, what did you think? I thought that uh, Kenny um, needs to uh, retire his Kataro Crusher because he never lands it anymore. Uh, Jack Evans break danced out of it, and um, Pack <laughs> just did a forward flip, <laughs> and uh, it's just it's an ineffective move. Needs to come out of the arsenal. Oh, Kenny. Other than that, I thought it was I thought it was terrific. I mean, these two are these are two of the best wrestlers in the world, and uh, you give them twelve minutes to do their thing, they're going to have a great match. Yeah, I thought Pac did a lot more, um, I guess, aerial or maybe like high spots. Not to say that he it was all a high spot match, but as the heel in this move or in this match, I thought he ended up being able to do a little more than he usually does as far as that's concerned. Like he did the avalanche falcon arrow off the top rope and, you know, nobody kicks out of the falcon arrow except Kenny Omega, I guess. And all of Chuck's opponents. Oh, let's stop piling on Chuck today. <laughs> but yes. So yeah, so Kenny got a nice win um, coming back after the the Mox lost. So, so he's on he's on a nice little roll. He beat he beat Jack on Dark, and then he uh, and then he won this one here after the loss to Mox at Full Gear. Yeah, he's regaining his confidence. Although I still think he's kind of like in a weird headspace as far as the elite are concerned. Yeah. Um, but last week on being the elite, he did say that, or I'm sorry. Uh, no, it wasn't being the elite last week on dynamite during his goofy, uh, weightlifting, uh, promo. <laughs> he did say that this all comes back to pack beating him at, at, uh, all out. That, oh. That's what, that's where this downward spiral began. So he avenged that loss. So hopefully he's better going forward. Well, I think we all know what's truly upset Kenny. Yeah, Kota Ibushi, I get it. <laughs> His life partner. <sighs> it is upsetting. Before Jenny cries. <laughs> we go to a video recap of the Dynamite Dozen Battle Royale. And if you don't remember, the two winners of that fight to f- win like a giant ass diamond ring that is apparently worth $45,000. Now, Cody said 42000 so MJF is just lying. It just keeps going up in value, depending on who <laughs> you ask. $70,000 in a month. It's true. It's true. Uh, Appreciation. And, and yeah. Well, it, it looks, if, if I'm being honest, insanely gaudy. And I don't know. Just not it something. It look $42,000 worth of stones. It doesn't, but I guess it is, because why would wrestlers lie? <laughs> I like this video package because it reminded me that, uh, if anything, AEW is both a tag team territory and a battle royal territory. Hell yeah. They like their battle royals. They really do. And just to clarify the rules of this, the winner of this match gets to keep the ring forever, right? Like, this isn't something like a trophy that goes back into the mix the next time we have a, a diamond dozen. Because Jim Ross said this is an annual event, but he didn't make it clear if they would be creating a new ring every year or if, like, or if, like, yeah, if MJF just has to, like, put it up back up for grabs in the next year's competition. I guess we'll find out in uh, 12 months. <laughs> Yes, financially, I would think it'd be better if MJF gave it up, but I also don't see that happening. 
if I'm being honest. Yeah. I agree. Like, MJF's um, going to pawn shop that pocket. Pocket, yeah. <laughs> no, he's going to want it to, like, to, to lord over everybody. That's true. Yeah. We are bearing the lead because MJF wins, but um, just, like, to set it up, he's facing Adam Page, and he also has Wardlow with him, which is kind of a uh, big factor in this, but he does the crossroads on Adam Page to get the win, and even though it looks like garbage, <laughs> it counts. <laughs> it Maybe counts. that's why Cody didn't do the crossroads earlier in the match. That's why he did the four thing. Because he knew that yeah. MJF was going to do it later. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, yeah, it looked real bad. I don't know exactly what happened, but uh, it was set up by uh, Paige got hit with a punch uh, from Wardlow from the floor that the referee didn't see. So he kind of he kind of stumbled backwards into the crossroads, which uh, MJF has dubbed the double cross. Hmm. <laughs> Learn how to use a move before you can rename it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It just looked really weak and bad. You know, like, I, I did enjoy the Battle Royal last week a lot. I like a good Battle Royal. But this thing was so hastily promoted, and then this match was felt like such a toss-off. Yeah. Like, it was eight minutes. There was not a lot to it. It just, I don't know, like, it it felt like they, it just, felt, the whole thing felt like a rush job. It really did. And, like, why waste $42,000 on this piece of garbage? I think MJF is going to get it over because of his promo ability, but I just think they didn't they didn't get it off to the best start. Yeah, and just to highlight what occurs, like like you said, it's an eight minute match. It's kind of quick and hastily put together, but MJF wins with a very sloppy crossroads, and then afterwards, as we predicted, Diamond Dallas Page is there to present the ring to the winner, and unfortunately for him, because he hates this, MJF is the winner. So. DDP, like, he he does his best to be a professional. He tells MJF that his actions have really disappointed him. But since he, DDP, is the bigger man, he's going to congratulate MJF like a man. And he extends his hand to shake. And MJF, like, removes his gum from his mouth, places it in DDP's hand, and then is like, what up, bitch? <laughs> so it's all just terrible. It's all just terrible. Uh, yeah. DDP attacks MJF. Like, Well, he essentially gets in his face, and then Wardlow doesn't like that his dude is getting attacked, so he steps in, and then DDP goes after Wardlow, and security has to break up the whole scuffle. Yeah, I saw people. I saw some people on Twitter having a real problem with this, like, oh, DDP shouldn't have been able to go 50-50 with Wardlow, and it's like, he didn't like lay him out with a diamond cutter. He got in a pull-apart with him. I didn't, yeah, I didn't I don't, think it. I didn't think it hurt Wardlow's credibility. No, they weren't in like an actual like. It never got to the point where it escalated to real blows being thrown. As soon yeah. as DDP went after him, security stepped in and pulled them apart. I love when DDP is on TV, so this this made me happy. I appreciated that he made a point to be a professional because I knew the second MJF won, it's like DDP is not going to want to give you that ring. You you suck. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be unhappy. Jenny, uh, how did you feel about the look of the ring, considering that they're claiming it's $42,000? I didn't think it looked $42,000. I didn't think, like, those diamonds were big enough to constitute $42,000. 
I thought it. I thought it just looked like a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, but how much did they say Super Bowl rings cost? Forty to forty, like like thirty five to forty, something like that. Uh, I thought it was much lower. Mm. All right, it was a big ass gaudy ring, in my opinion. But I also don't think that they showcase showing what it looked like very well. Like, MJF did not do a good job of that. He showed up for, like, two seconds, and then you never really got the full... They should have done a full-on zoom-in of the ring before he even put it on his finger, and we never got that. I was waiting for it. Yeah, it wasn't until, I think, their Instagram account posted later, yeah. like, a, a close-up of the ring. I'm just like, saying they did a horrible job promoting yeah, this. totally. I agree. MJF slid that on his pinky finger, and that is... um insulting in its own right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah jen decker is out in the ring and she's interviewing dustin rhodes and dustin does much better than his dark appearance where he was all over the place (laughs) but he says like he is there for jake hager the man that broke his arm he's upset and he wants to he wants to settle the score um at this point sammy Santana and Ortiz all run out to beat up Dustin. And then, surprisingly, Matt Jackson runs out. I guess he is his injury is allowing him to be out there. He's kind of recovered enough for that to happen. Nick joins him, obviously. So Matt, Nick, and, and Dustin band together. They get a super kick on Sammy. And it's a, like kind of a feel-good moment from that standpoint. I like that you can kind of see where their booking's going because as soon as this happened, I said like, "Oh, there's your there's a six man for next week," and then of course, like, I think the very next segment they announced this is a six man for next week. They know what the people want. Mm-hmm. This was uh, this might have been the least the young bucks were utilized during an episode of Dynamite so far in the run, though. Yeah, I, I assume they had a dark match. They didn't. They didn't. No. Wow. Yeah, we'll get to the yeah, we'll get to dark later, but they yeah, they didn't even have a dark match. I like their restraint, I guess. Like, you know, they're they're very high up in the company. They are executives. If yeah. you really want to get technical, but the fact that they're willing to be like, hey, Matt's milking a ner- like an injury, and the fact that he shows up is surprising, and then just not really they don't even really go into like fighting it's very quick so I, I like that they understand how restraint works and how you can build that to next week and, uh-huh. and encourage people to watch i i do appreciate that i think sometimes they undersell themselves though i think they take it too far to the other side like losing in the first round of the tag team championship bracket like i i felt like they were making a sacrifice to put over private party but I don't know. I felt like it was maybe a little unnecessary. And also, people buy tickets to see them. They want to see them do something. That that is true. I mean, that's and that's kind of a that's that's a hard balance, I think, because you don't want to burn yourself out by being on TV too much, but yeah, this live crowd, it, this is still very much probably just to a large extent like a, a fan base, the ones who are buying tickets at least, who were like into being the elite and that's what like brought them here so to only see the young bucks for like this like you know one minute segment or whatever i'm sure they did a off-camera thing afterwards like they always do but still you know 
But that's why I think Dark has been so helpful because you don't have to be on TNT every week, but you're still giving your live fans right, the yeah. exposure to you. So I think if they're not on Dynamite, they should be on Dark just to give the fans what they want. I I, totally, I, I think you're totally right. But I also think you made a good point as far as like, if you go to one of these live events, you're almost guaranteed if you stick around after the fact that the elite are going to show up in the ring and, and do something cool. Like that's a nice touch they add to live shows where that doesn't get televised all the time. Sometimes it makes it onto being the elite, but you get it either way. You know, it's been what this is like, I think the ninth episode. So you, you wait until you hopefully get some new stars established with the television audience before you kind of take yourself out of the equation, even for a week. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, speaking of establishing new stars, I don't know if this is a good segue or a proper segue, but this was even better than last week's. It really was. The Dark Order is a cult, and they want you to join them. And we, and learned, we learned that Stu Grayson is was actually, he is the first disciple of Evil Uno. Hell yes. Is Evil Uno, but is Evil Uno the one talking? Because I don't think he is. Yeah. Is he? That's what. That's the implication that I got, because, because when they did the... Uh, the cult view at the end where everybody sitting around the guy was wearing their cult gear all of a sudden, it was evil Uno who was standing on the stage then in the spot where the, the speaker was. Okay. Okay. I guess I don't give evil Uno enough credit as a speaker, but um, yes, to, to boil this video down, we got another dark order as a cult video and uh, we join our, our sad gentleman from the last one and he is kind of going on with his life. He sees a poster for a Dark Order meeting. One of those ones where you pull a tab and you take the information. So Wait, goes, are we to assume that he did not join the Dark Order after the first viewing or the first commercial? No, but the seeds were planted. Okay. Yes, because he was on the subway. You know, you just saw that video. He didn't necessarily know where to go to join them. He just saw a promo video. There was a website. He needed to get new glasses first. Oh, okay. Right. It's true. It's true. And this time around, he has like a, a physical ad. He has this little tab he has pulled off with like an address. So he attends a Dark Order meeting specifically in person. And it looks a lot like you'd expect. We're in the basement of like a VA hall. It was um, like an AA meeting. Yes. I <laughs> I hesitated to draw that, that parallel, but it was. But, um... The Dark Order speaker basically says, like, we're everywhere and join us. You know, there's strength in numbers. And at some point, like, the group who is with him at the end, they they all, that flash happens, the video editing flash where they're all suddenly wearing masks and they turn to him. And the group leader says, are you ready to pledge the Dark Order? And we don't know, but, like, presumably he will because he's gone this far. I don't want to say I'm 100% turned around on the Dark Order, but I, I really have liked both of these videos the past two weeks, and I'm, I'm feeling a lot more positive towards them. I'm going to say it again. It's just Bray Wyatt, and I didn't like Bray Wyatt. It's not Bray Wyatt. I, it is. It's the same fucking thing, especially if, 
if Stu Grayson or Grayson, since he lost the Stu, is the first disciple, it's such Bray Wyatt bullshit. And I, I am not in. I don't care. Please stop. I am 100% in on this. Oh my gosh. Like, to me, this cult stuff is way more relatable to real life than, hi, we're a, a weird mask-wearing squad with, like, putty people yeah. and stupid costumes. Like, this is actually rooted in something where you can draw real-life comparisons, and I think that gives it strength rather than, we're cartoon villains, please love us. I I really think that the next thing they need to add to uh, make this even more insidious is a multi-level marketing aspect to the cult. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. So at what point that... are we going to have Kool-Aid and just a bunch of dead bodies? On the I mean, they might go that far. I can see a vignette that ends like that. <laughs> Jericho says he knows what he's doing through January 15th. So... They, they plan things out pretty far in advance. It's two months. <laughs> it's, I mean, compared to WWE, it's like... Sure. That's a lot. But even, like, they don't need an end game by January. They just need to know where they're going with this. And I think you get some, like, real... Like, everybody's dressing the same, and it's not putty patrol gear. It's more, like, robes and, and that sort of thing. And you, you put some sort of figurehead in place to do the talking and this is awesome like this is way more believable as like a dark bad thing but that people can relate to now have we actually seen the dark order wrestle since these two ads no i think that's good i think they should keep them off screen for a while because that was yeah because it was last week and this week and they didn't have matches yeah or forever i think they need to rebrand them with this new yeah cult apparel yeah because like you said like you can't have the putty people anymore and things like that but i think you need to like yeah creepers need to be gone yeah yeah. but you can have like cult followers following you around they're not going to be as weird as the putty people but there is that like unease of these dedicated followers do you think he's still gonna sit on them as a throne i don't think so it's a little too cartoony yeah Everything about them is too cartoony. Wow. But I think they're moving away from that. That's what I'm excited for. Is Everything about this new direction is too Bray Wyatt. Get them off my screen. I'm into it. I'm willing to see what happens. So, guys. I think it's good we have differing opinions sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I want to see how it plays out. I want to see where we all land. And, Jenny, maybe, maybe you can become a convert. Nope. Okay. Well, maybe it turns out stupid and me and Andy turn into deniers. That's probably more likely. Nah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. So Jenny will never be sold on the Dark Order. That much is clear. But something that requires much less selling for her is Scorpio Sky. Oh. Yep. And he, our vigilant, amazing hero this week, is facing Chris Jericho for the AEW world championship the highest honor on this the day of chris jericho's thanksgiving thank you celebration for the champion we're capping this event off with a chris jericho win he keeps the title he gets scorpion a lion tamer and he makes him tap 
I think that the goal of this match should have been to make the crowd bite on a couple of near falls. And I think by that measure, they accomplished their goal. Because okay. I don't think... I mean, honestly, I think that nobody thought that, that Scorpio was going to win this match. Right. But I think that, so I think if you get the crowd to buy in a couple of times, then, then you did it. You did, you, did, you, did it, you did your job well. I also don't think that you should show Scorpio as weak enough to tap out. I think he should have been unconscious. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I disagree with you. I think, I think just years and years and years of being a mixed martial arts fan has taught me that there's nothing weak about tapping out at all. So I think you should break your arm and pass out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny wants full on arm breaks. Paralysis, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, There were some parts of this. Uh, Well, first of all, let me just say the um, stipulations were interesting. Not the stipulations, the regulations of this match. Uh, seconds were banned from ringside so we've got no inner circle we've got no SEU and apparently all world title matches have a 60 minute time limit which means because this match started with about 20 minutes of TV time left that if it continued past that it would be available on YouTube something to consider for the future because in this case it did not but apparently they're setting like a precedent there with Mm -hmm. that rule Despite seconds being banned, Jake Hager at one point does run out to make the save for Jericho. Um, Scorpio has him like in a hold, and I forgive me, I'm bad at moves. I don't remember which one it was, but Jake Hager ran out and he kind of distracted Scorpio so that he released the hold and Jericho geeked out. But he is quickly run off by SEU when they're like, "Hey, that's unfair." They run out, they beat him up, and they take him out of the the like match all together because Aubrey, the ref of this match is like, Hey, not cool. But she's also trying not to be distracted from the action. So SEU removed the seconds, but Jake Hager did have a moment where he caused a distraction that arguably could have like cost Scorpio the match. As the match itself, I thought it was very, uh, very good. It was, uh, it was a, a very fine, uh, main event crowd was in the Scorpio crowd loved, uh, Crowd loved him, and uh, they, you know, but they were also very into Jericho, as you would expect, for uh, the uh, best wrestler in the world. <laughs> so Jericho wins your like observer ballot thing. Yeah, I think. Down. I don't know. I mean, I, I've got kind of, you know, I, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, or like last week, I was trying to like figure out my ballot, and it's like first half of the year I had Johnny Gargano like running away with it and then he got hurt and it's just kind of like well well maybe Jericho didn't he get hurt pretty recently he got re-hurt pretty recently oh okay (laughs) yeah unfortunately there is like a sort of recency bias not specific to Andy but like literally everyone I have trouble remembering the big angles from earlier in the year I mean that's just like the Oscars yeah. yeah, that's why all the award season movies come out in November, December. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So after the match, um, you know, Scorpio lost to the Lion Tamer by tapping out. Jericho decides winning wasn't enough, and he puts Scorpio back into the Lion Tamer. And then from the top balcony area of this crowd, John Moxley appears. 
and he looks very angry, very threatening. And Jericho's like, oh, shit, what's going on? Uh, no fighting ensues, but this is like the implication is Moxley, he he wants to show off how like fucking cool he is. And Jericho's the title holder, so <laughs> this is the one to go after. So implications. Do you think that he succeeded in showing off how fucking cool he is? I mean, I thought he looked fucking cool. Okay. <laughs> Am I alone? The crowd around him were very weird and like taking pictures and Instagramming the shit out of this. But... I thought it was funny that they didn't tell you what um, they didn't tell you or they didn't show you Jericho letting go of Scorpio or stopping beating up on Scorpio for a long time. So it just kind of made it seem like John Moxley was casually walking down while Scorpio was still like being beaten on, and then they finally showed Jericho, and Jericho was distracted by John Moxley's uh, presence. But I thought maybe one of the weaker entries so far, but still a pretty good show. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, holiday season. What did What did you think, uh, Jenny? I just I just want Scorpio to wear those black skinny jeans again. Sure. That's really my my disappointment. And how about you, Megan? What was your overall thoughts on the show? I thought it was a good show. I do feel bad for the main event because, I don't know, it just sounds like from our talking that nobody really expected Scorpio to be a legitimate competitor. Like, I definitely didn't think the title was going to change hands. And it kind of just sucks going into a match with that thought process. But like an inevitability to it? Yeah, because it's like, no matter how good this is, like I'm not going to bleed near falls because I don't think Scorpio is going to win because it's too it's too early for Jericho to give that up. Really? So I enjoyed the match. It's just, you know, that was kind of in the back of my mind the whole time. I mean, I think, unfortunately, since the promotion is new that that's inevitable for all of these championship matches. I think it would be more believable if they would do more matches with the champions without the belts on the line. Cause then I could believe that someone else may win, but as long as that belts on the line and that person has held that belt belt for less than six months with the establishment of the belts, I don't think anyone else is going to win. Do you think that this is also a consequence of doing like, pay-per-views every three months instead of having a monthly big show that you're building to? I think that that would be a consequence in the future, but I think that right now, so you've just established the belts. I, I think that you want to establish your star and the legitimacy of the belt, so you don't want them to change over so quickly. Mm-hmm. So even if they were doing monthly pay-per-views at this point, I still wouldn't believe that those belts would change until at least well well into the new year. Right. Like a few more pay-per-view cycles. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the belt, at least the championship, men's championship belt, should change until probably May at mm-hmm. that pay-per-view. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like, what are your thoughts, Andy, as far as, like, you're maybe the most veteran of wrestling watchers in this group, like, maybe. First of all, when when do you feel like is the right time to change the championship belt, and and when that occurs, do we? Is the current roster 
do we know who our next like belt holder is? Like, what do you think? So I think the right time to change the title is when you have a baby face who feels hot enough to carry it and, you know, and to like to act to replace Jericho, because I think those are big shoes to fill right now. And I think that we don't know who the next person's going to be. Like, obviously, it looks like the next big program is Moxley, but he's not a baby face. He's a baby face. He's an angry baby face. Moxley's a baby face? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. He's like a a Stone Cold Steve Austin baby face. Um, But, you know, they're also, like, building Kenny back up. And so maybe that's the event. I mean, maybe maybe Double or Nothing is, you know, the the main event of Double or Nothing 2 is a rematch of the main event of Double or Nothing with Jericho and Omega. You know, maybe you do that. And that's where Kenny gets his win back. Um, I could see, I could see either of those. I think those are the two most likely because I do think that they are at least for the for the the time being they're going to honor their Cody stipulation. Okay. And I, I don't see. I mean, do you guys see anybody else aside from Moxley and Omega as being on the level to take that title from Jericho right now? No. No. Yeah. But then I guess my question is, well, do you just keep it on Jericho for like? more time like he doesn't have to necessarily lose it in january or or near there i don't think he will lose it in january yeah i think i don't think there's any like imperative reason to take it off of jericho unless he's starting to become like a noticeable drag on business which he's not i think people are at least not loving this, this yeah yeah i think he's doing an excellent job with this and i think that i think he'll continue to do an excellent job yeah. I mean, maybe some of this stuff will get wearing, you know, in another six months. But I think so far, everything's working. I agree. I was just curious. Like, Jericho's got it, and he seems like the most worthy person to hold it. So <laughs> switching is kind of a weird thing at this point in time. Yeah. Well, uh, let's quickly go through uh, the rest of our business here. Uh, we have got uh, rankings. Let's talk about rankings because, uh, you know, we have rankings. Uh, the new rankings came out yesterday, as they do, because it is it was, it was Friday, and that's when the rankings come out. Uh, we'll do the tag team rankings first. We have Private Party at fifth, and that is down two spots from number three. So uh, I'm not sure what caused that. They lost to um, the sexy Chucky T, the best friends. But that was, um, that happened before the rankings came out last week. No, but they haven't shown it. So I bet, because didn't they show it? They showed it last Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. that There was, there was a weird delay on that. So okay. we'll, let's see what else happened. Uh, Lucha Brothers, number four down from uh, number one overall. So they dropped three spots by losing to the best friends. Wow. Yeah, number three, the best friends uh, leap into the list. Wow. And they were not, you know, they weren't even on the list last week. So I guess that's what happened to the private party. They, they, it wasn't so much that they did anything this past week, but like they got, they got leapfrogged by the best friends. Young Bucks remain in number two. And we have a new number one. Uh, finally, for the first time, I think since we've had the rankings, the Lucha Brothers are no longer the top-ranked tag team. Instead, 
We've got Proud and Powerful, who are up oh. from uh, number four last week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who did they win? Who did they beat? I don't know. They didn't have a match. Am I looking at the right week's rankings? Yeah, this is eleven twenty-two rankings. I'm looking at. I mean, you probably are, but there's some behind-the-scenes gimmicking going on. I think because. Do you think they just like increased because they didn't win or lose a match? They just continued where they were. Well, neither did the Young Bucks. So, so my the the, the thing that's confusing to me is that they leapfrogged Private Party when neither team had matches on Dark or dynamite this week yeah i don't get that i'm upset with these rankings jenny's the numbers person okay so we move on to the women's rankings for the week uh we've got uh uh, b Priestley making her debut at number five uh obviously not in the on the list last week nyla rose number four this week um, she was number four last week. So it looks like uh, B Priestley knocked Allie out of the rankings, which I guess is probably fine because maybe it looks like Allie is going to be taking on more of a managerial role going forward. Huh. Number three, we've got Britt Baker, and that's where uh, she was number two last week. Uh, number two, Emmy Sakura. So her tag team win, she moved from three to two. So her tag team win did impact her ranking. So, good call, Megan. Mm. And retaining the number one position, uh, Hikaru Shida. Nice. Yeah. And finally, the men's division. We've got in fifth place, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF, who uh, is in, on the rankings for the first time. Kenny Omega was number five last week. Number four spot, Cody, falling uh, from number three, which is interesting because he won a match. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he won against someone who doesn't count, <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, Hangman Page was number four last week. Uh, moving up to number three, uh, Kenny Omega, who uh, replaces Cody in the three spot. He was number five last week, as I mentioned. So it looks like Hangman fell out of the rankings entirely. Uh, Pack is at number two, which is where John Moxley was last week. And John Moxley, the new number one contender, uh, supplanting Pack. So basically, at the top of the rankings, Pac and John Moxley switch places, which I guess is just based on Pac losing to Kenny. Mm-hmm. So I guess it makes sense that you know Moxley came out and you know basically said like I'm the next guy to Jericho because sure. he was going to end up being the number one a contender. Okay, quickly, dark next week we've got Jimmy Havoc versus Brandon Cutler, Sonny Kiss versus Sean Spears. And Proud and Powerful versus Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Not much of a dark lineup. No. Pretty low on star power. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they should have had a Young Bucks match on there. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't. And one last thing. Next week uh, is Dynamite and Champagne. We've got a six-man tag main event. Dustin Rhodes and the Young Bucks versus the Inner Circle trio of Sammy Guevara and Proud and Powerful. Uh, as mentioned earlier, Ray Phoenix will take on Trent. And we got uh, a bit of a, like, there was a, a Game Changer Wrestling indie show where we got a little crossover angle in response to John Moxley's challenge 
from Dynamite this week, the Napalm Death promo that Megan enjoyed so much, uh, Joey Janela said that he would be answering the call. And so John Moxley will wrestle Joey Janela this next week on Dynamite. He will kill him. He will likely kill him, yes. So that was the week in AEW where we still don't have a pay-per-view uh, announced. We don't really know exactly where we're going with a lot of these programs, but uh, they'll just continue to unfold. Well, thank you very much for listening. For Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy, and this has been The Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat. <laughs>